and welcome to How to Waste Your Time. I am Holden Hentz, the number one host of this podcast, top build, as some might say, the reason why people listen. And we have another uh, co-host. Um, There's another guy here. Would you, I guess you can introduce yourself. Um, uh, Darian D. Ryakupato, third build. <laughs> yes, yeah, I Second build is voice meter banana. <laughs> big, big, big ups for the, yeah, the, the software that brings you this delicious content. And then, and then our hosts, our, uh, our hosting site. A- Anchor FM, yeah. which it, you guys may have noticed, it's a new um, advertisement because Deere and I recorded an advertisement to go on top of this. We recorded an advertisement to go on top of this. Yeah, because I was sick of hearing my stupid dinky voice, so I recorded a new one with D-Rai, <laughs> and I'm I'm actually really happy with how it turned out. So I'm stoked. Uh, I can't wait um, for you guys to react and hear it because it came out great. Yeah, well, hopefully you're already reacting because it's, it's at the beginning of the podcast. Hopefully you didn't skip over it. If you did skip over it, that's okay. Well, we're, I mean, you'll still be skipping, and then you'll get like little, ah, oh, eat. Like, yeah. hopefully those are good. Yeah, it's a minute and 32 uh, seconds long, so all you have to do is hit skip, 30-second skip three times. Um, but if you don't do that, you'll hear D-Rai go like, mm, anchors are good, anchors are good. <laughs> Did I turn you to Steven Seagal? It's a good platform. Yeah, I, 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 think you're Michael, I think you're Nick Cage. It's a really impressive platform to, to do things like p- produce your podcast. That's an, that's an interesting impression because it's just the, a complete opposite of my voice. It's like I'm doing an impression, but you did all the exact opposite uh, indicators of my voice. All of the exact opposite indicators of my voice. Yes. Yeah, like right here, this is Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Hi, Santa Claus. Your time presents. That's very Elmo of you. Yeah. We did watch the uh, Not So Late Show with Elmo this um, afternoon. It's it's in my uh, TV section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look forward to hearing about that. <laughs> All right. Enough tomfoolery. Let's promote uh, the show that you probably didn't listen to, Medium of the Month. Um, it doesn't have enough listens, so go ahead and give it a listen. Uh, Preston Wilkie was my guest. We talked about video games. Specifically, we talked about Play Dead's Inside, and we talked about Supergiant Games, Transistor. So if either of those interests you, or if you're interested in video games whatsoever, or the video game landscape world, a couple of indie games we talk about, we chop it up, do some non-spoiler talk if you're not interested in spoilers, and then at the end, we go deep into spoilers about what's crazy about both of those games. Kind of talk about the throughput a little bit, so... Give it a little bit of a lay us in and tell us what you think and uh, write us an email. How to waste your gmail.com. Yeah. This show, but condensed into one topic. Yeah. Yeah. Condensed one topic and two pieces of content. So it's real easy. Um, just did a quick look while we, I brought up that email. Still no email. So feel free. <laughs> no big deal. No pressure. Like this is honestly pressure free. Like whenever you have time, like if you're looking at your phone right now, sure. Just write something down. Send it, send it our way. If you're not looking at your phone, we accept um, we accept snail mail too. So, so you're right now you're listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and you're using it to fill time, right? Or you're sitting with it and driving, driving, mm-hmm. whatever you did last to fill time, mm-hmm. waste time. Mm-hmm. Write an email and send that to us and what you did. Yeah, tell, tell me tell what us, you did. Tell us what you wasted time on. I'm, I'm, we're interested. We're honestly, I know. You, you probably listen to the show and you're like, oh, I'm not going to consume all this content there. These guys are mad lads. Absolutely right. True. Facts. But what you did waste your time on, just let us know. And we'll, uh, we'll be like, oh, that's cool. Maybe we'll consume it. Maybe we'll think, yeah, oh, maybe, we should waste our time with that. Maybe I'll take a look at it and it'll end up on the show. 
and then you'll get mentioned by name. Whoa. That's crazy. Shout out. Uh, and, then, and then if it's something totally garbage, I'll still call you out. True. Why'd you, why'd you waste your time on that? Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, I was, I was busy watching um, Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. I was watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's like, okay, dude. Come on. Good. Why? Who, who do you think you are? Uh, so this month, we've got um, good, good, good content for you. Uh, some, some stuff we like, some stuff we were different about. Uh, but nonetheless, it's going to be another slamming episode. Uh, this time, we are actually timing ourselves. We've done it once before. Didn't, didn't have good, good success with it, so we kind of dropped it. But I realized when editing the podcast last month that, hey, you know, some of these segments are, uh, you know, a little uneven. And we kind of rush ourselves to the end. It's probably going to happen again this episode because D-Ray does have a heart network out, which will be right around the end of the show. So um, we're going we're gonna to pace ourselves, have a little timer. Um, but without... Hopefully, hopefully it's there just to add balance. Balance. So we're getting, getting episodes where the top half is super heavy and then the bottom half is super weak. So Right. And, and just to get it a better flow throughout the whole show. So, so there's 10 different overheading um, kind of things that we talk about. So I'm, I'm going to try to spend about 15 minutes per... Uh, medium that way we can have a 150 minute show or less because if it warrants less than 15 minutes for the the two pieces of content we'll do less than 15 minutes you know what i mean so that's our goal for you hopefully as you listeners you guys appreciate it um without further ado roll the thing three two one go uh, so uh, the, today I'm going to be talking about a, a very interesting movie. Uh, it's called Prisoners. Um, it's it's starring uh, uh, so it stars Hugh Jackman. I love the uh, somebody who's watching or listening to the show at like 1.5 <laughs> speed. He's like, "What the frick just happened? Why is it on three X?" <laughs> he he rolled the he rolled the reel and then he's uh, talking kind of quick there. And if you're not listening to this podcast at one and a half speed, I recommend it. I think I think we do talk a little slow, like listening back on it. So if you listen at 1.5 speed. It'll be some uh, snappy. We snappy talked about this before that we should release it in 1.5 speed. Ooh, for all of our like Spotify listeners that just don't even want to bother with that. Yeah, um, but also the only podcast I don't listen to is like music podcast. Yes, you gotta slow this down, of course. And then when you do slow them down, they talk like yes, and you're like, wow, you talk kind of slow. Come on, brother, pick it up. Um, speaking of picking it up, I picked up the movie Prisoners, like I mentioned earlier. It's Hugh Jackman and uh, also one Jake Gyllenhaal. It is a movie directed by Denis Villeneuve, um, our fr- French Canadian um, mad lad, that brother man. Brother man. Um, I've now seen all of his major motion films, um, and every single one of them has been a banger. Every one is a four star or above, which is pretty impressive. He's notable for doing Arrival, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Dune. Enemy, um, prisoners, and Sicario. Um, so he's great. He's he's his content is you know what I want to consume. That's why I was watching a movie alone at night, and so I was like, I need to do something that's been on my watch list for a long time. So it'd been four years on my Letterbox watch list. Finally took care of it. Um, certified great movie. Uh, the very very bare bones plot is that uh, Hugh Jackman's daughter goes missing. And he's just a, a dad. He's a father, and he tries to figure out who has his kid and where his kid is. Who done it? Who done it? Um, notable actors in the movie. Uh, Paul Dano's in it. Like I said, J- Jake Gyllenhaal plays the like detective who's on the case. Um, he's on the case. He's a, he is on the case. Um, and it, it's 
a, a very interesting movie. Those three I are in my top 20 actors of all time, all three of them. Um, I really enjoy their work a lot. And the movie is, it's a th- like thriller drama. Um, it, it, a lot of it reminded me of movies like Seven, uh, where the, you know, clues come out from the killer or, you know, I say killer loosely, whoever is the antagonist of the story, which in Seven is played by Ken Spacey. He kind of is cryptic about his clues and like little bits and pieces come up and like the detectives have a hard time kind of following the lead and that's Jake Gyllenhaal, but he's still like on the top of his game and a lot of yelling back and forth and emotions are flying. Um, but I just love, I love the interaction between the like family and the media and like what the police department is doing and like Jake Gyllenhaal's like head hardiness. Un- unhinged Hugh Jackman is. Unjackman. It, Unjackman. Hugh Jackman. Very unhinged. You're absolutely right. He, he goes balls to the walls in this performance. Like seriously, it's like Logan, um, Les Mis in this are like his like most gripping performances. He just he just goes off, and I think he's made for a, like a really like protective role. Like that's why he's so great in Logan. Is like he's so good at protecting X twenty three and like what she means to him and like his like role. And so like the fact that he's playing this like protective father, but also like not sh- he's showing emotion, but not through like tears. And like that's I think showing emotion through tears is the easiest way show emotion and so every other way is difficult and that's how he shows emotions every other possible way and that's what makes like it's such a gripping performance by him um have you seen prisoners i think i've seen it once but a, a long time ago mm. it did come out i think and it's not very fresh on my mind it came out in 2013 so i mean nine years ago now i do see the scene of uh jake gyllenhaal uh in the that one guy's doorway I won't spoil it, but um, some things happen after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I see that a lot. I to don't know me, why. To me, the movie felt very M. Night Shyamalan. Like, more so... Than M. Night Shyamalan movies? <laughs> than at least the old. Oh, I apologize for my cranky dogs. Um, they're going to be cranked tonight. Um, But no, it, it, it like I'm not saying there's like a crazy twist or anything per se. But I am saying that it definitely goes off the rails a little bit, and it just like leaves you like sitting there. It's like it's it is like a combination between like a Fincher, like a David Fincher movie, and like an M Night Shyamalan. Like it's a really good balance that makes for something that's really entertaining. And even, um, even at like a two and a half hour runtime, the whole entire movie is just gripping. Like clue yeah. after clue comes out, like more and more things unravel. You're trying to piece the story in your head. Like it. it is something very very interesting. The direction is very solid as well. Yeah, that was what I was about to say. It feels that way because you, as an audience member, <clears throat> are also investigating these characters in in real time. So like that would be like an M Night Shyamalan where you're you're questioning the motives of certain characters as the characters are also being questioned. Yes, yeah, and that's something that I I I noted is that the the characters are. Like they feel extremely tedious. Like everyone is being drained. Every single character is being drained from one angle or another and has some kind of like skin in the game, some kind of pressure, some kind of moral dilemma. And that makes for like a lot of different really interesting elements. Um I, I think my my biggest downfall is that like little things started to get to me as the movies like kept going on. Just kind of like improbable things. A lot of like Hollywood type stuff, like 
um, opening of things and be like, oh, what is this? Ah, where, where? Or just walking past the bad guy, or you know, it's just like different stuff like that, or like false convictions. Just a lot of like conveniences, plot conveniences for the sake of Hollywood, just kind of sour the experience. Even though it's great performances, like great direction. Uh, there's even a moment in the movie though that I feel like held back the punches a little bit too much. Like there was, like I was ready to cry mm-hmm. at how like emotional I, I should have felt, but it just kind of you know. I guess throws a softball at the audience and it's like, ah, it could have been something more captivating. Um, but it, it's a, it's a badass film and it feels like something that totally could be realistic, could absolutely happen despite all the Hollywood inconveniences. Yeah, and real quickly, I just rewatched, um, memories of a murder mm. and I don't remember when we watched it together, but that's, a it was based off of real, a real case. Right. And they convicted the killer in 2019. Wow! Just recently, so very interesting. They he had attempted to rape and murdered his sister-in-law. Wow! And then they DNA tested him now in 2019, and they linked him to five of those deaths. And then he and then he admitted to the other five. So wow. it was ten in total. That's crazy. Um, yeah, South Korea's first serial killer. Prisoners definitely has like some of that. Definitely has some that vibe from uh, Memories of a Murder. So yeah, I, I was gonna say that the darkness of Memories of the Murder is is similar to Prisoners, but not not exactly how much humor is in Memories of the Murder. But yes, still yes. still very uh, relatable. Absolutely. As um, far as you're in this emotional journey. So if you like one, you like the other. Uh, I'm giving Prisoners an 82 out of 100. I think it's a great movie. Um, I think Denis Villeneuve just doesn't miss. Um, even my least favorite movie, his enemy is still very, very good. Uh, so 82. Good score. What do you got for me, brother, on the movie front? Let's talk blockbusters, dude. Let's Big old. Pops, absolute banger blockbusters, bro. All right, I'm listening. What do you got for me? The Batman 2022. Matt Reeves, the Batman? Um, it's funny that you... Well, I mean, it's not funny. It's it's quite co- coincidental that you mentioned Doomer. Dune earlier. Doomer? Um, Doomer. Um, because that is the same cinematographer. Uh, is that Richard and Jenkins? Richard 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 Jenkins? That's Richard Deacon Richard Deacon? I believe so. Interesting. I think Correct he, me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Um but uh speaking of the most important part of Batman, the Batman twenty twenty two is the cinematography, I feel like. Greg Frazier, yeah, he did he did Dune, he did Lion, Killing Him Softly, um, and that's oh he did Rogue One, and Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, he's got a good, a good rap sheet. Good rap sheet. Vice, um, but but Rogue One does look beautiful. So this guy this guy knows what he's doing. And I will, I also saw Batman, went to theaters, caught it, and uh, I will say it is visually gripping for sure. Yeah, once you read out his rap sheet you recognize that it's a it's basically his style at this point is the um uh how do i describe this uh between killing them softly and uh rogue one a little bit um the batman 2022 it's very it's very greasy and dirty mm. um yeah no zero dark 30 has that a lot it's it's yeah. heavy on the elbow grease um I think what specifically they did here, they had some 
uh, it's filmed digitally and the, the lenses are custom made. Um, so the, the center of the frame is hyper-focused and then it falls off very quickly. So like every close-up shot you see of anyone's face, the face is highly detailed and everything else is just grimy, dirty, and out of focus. And, uh, I would say this is what makes the movie like so visually pleasing in my eyes where it's like I, they can really do whatever they want after that. Um, it looks good. And what makes it a step above every other sort of superhero film modernly, because everything else is going to be like you comparing to Spider-Man or the recent Spider-Man, which I also really liked. It's so clean and yeah, Hollywood and it looks like a set stage. Right. Whereas when you watch Batman, it's it looks like Gotham. It, it, it plays your imagination because it's out of focus. You can't even see what's going on. Your brain fills in the rest of what Gotham would look like. It does make you feel like Batman. Yeah, looking through. Maybe you got a little rain <laughs> rain in your eyes and the cowl. Got to kind of rub my, out the mascara. Yeah, the mascara smudged a little bit and now my eyes are burning and I'm looking at this dirty, grimy thief and I just want to break his nose. Best suit ever? Best suit ever. You know, I like everything about it, but I'm not crazy about the collar. But I like everything else about it. Like, I love that the, the batarang is, like, built into the chest. I love the, the oh, quills like the, on his arms. I yeah. love, like, just just the way that the suits can... No, no pointy nipples. Um, I like his cowl a lot. I think that... I definitely think it's the best cowl. Like, his cowl looks really clean. I would say so. Um, I also recently rewatched uh the Batman and the Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, you watch all three? Um, yeah. Wow. And because Abby hasn't seen them and uh the Dark Knight number two in the in is is a really great is just a really great Batman costume too. Yeah. Um I would say it's tied, honestly. They they both of them are very like Hmm. I'm trying to think because Dark Knight, it's like very, it's emphasized to be like lightweight. He's, he's flying around a lot more doing a lot of more acrobatic stuff. And I feel like, uh, Robert Pattinson's, he's a little bit heavier. He's got boots on, you know, not ninja shoes. So I think the, my problem with the, the Dark Knight cow is that it's so like, that's from the first movie though. It's so like pointy and like, and like dark. That, that one specifically is from the first movie. Whereas like Rob Pat's the Batman is like, a lot more like soft and like rounded and there's something like just kind of classic about like is that Ben Affleck? <laughs> no, no, no. This that, is, that looked like Ben Affleck. This is Robert, bro. This is Robert. That guy looked like Ben Affleck. <laughs> it might be Robert's stunt double, but um, it's, I, okay. I, I get what you're saying. It's it's kind of just rounder and harder. I feel like he just looks heavier. He, he, he acts a little bit heavier. Um, He rides a cool motorcycle so it, 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 it takes it from like motorcycle motorcycle gear instead of like um the dark knight's like military-esque right. armor and the, and the bat bike in the dark knight i think is like this massive tank looking bike whereas like yeah. this he, is like cool batman like still young and hip like riding cool, like a cool honda guy. shadow or something yeah cool guy cafe cruiser cafe yes. racer um a night stalker with the little like he's got the new york cap on with the hoodie over it uh, yeah yeah he said something like into a selena kyle's room while she's changing <laughs> right, right he's like i'm peeping here yeah yeah <laughs> all great stuff um, classic i guess after that we'll quickly touch on the characters 
Okay, best best Riddler ever. Best sure. Riddler, best Penguin. You know, better than I mean, Devito's not that tough, and even like animated or like video games, Penguins are all like kind of hammy, and so Colin Farrell being like, to me, he's a top ten actor all time. Yeah, got yeah. rid of the uh, we lose the uh, the webbed fingers. Thank goodness. Thank goodness uh, we lost the webbed fingers. And he just he's just super convincing, and like the fact that you know, it's like everybody's been saying, if if you didn't know it was Colin Farrell. Like you would have no intention, no way of telling. Like the makeup's great, um, his acting and performance is really good. It's very grounded. It's somebody that feels like believable. He could be part of this like Falcone like um, drug ring. Um, right. Well, yeah. I mean, from the from lore, this Chester Cobblepot's a mobster. Right. So like these goofy guys in top hats and uh, tuxedos with webbed fingers is like not mobster. Right. Whereas like Club Forty, what is it, Forty Four Below? Mm-hmm. that's mobster i do like the club a lot reminds me a lot of the the seafood club i was thinking about that i was like these two clubs are very similar mm-hmm. and having go through that seafood club at least like 10 times now um <laughs> i i kind of saw it because he goes he goes back to that club a few times and yeah. so it's like oh this parallel is really cool and i really like i like that dynamic lighting i like the idea of batman in fighting in a nightclub or just entering in a nightclub or bruce wayne in a nightclub you know um i do like the younger bruce wayne i think that's fun yeah um it's like he's he's still like you're not my dad alfred he's still like in that kind of like you know angsty age he's growing out of it though um i do not like that alfred um is like 52 years old there's just something kind of unsettling about that it's it it's strange when you think about it like as uh robert wayne hired a guy to be his butler that was like probably 20 years old he had to be because he's only 20 years older than robert pattinson irl obviously uh, robert pattinson's playing a younger uh batman and andy circus is playing a, a younger alfred but literally so maybe i would say maybe he was hired as like not a head butler but hired as a butler yeah or and then eventually just maybe he made a connection with young bruce wayne and then he was like oh you're his guy now so that's the only part that didn't work for me in the whole movie i think was just andy circus he has like an emotional scene that i just did not I did not feel any emotion towards, um, and it was a little disappointing. But uh, otherwise, I think everything, everything else, every other beat kind of hit hit it right on the nail for me. Yeah, Selena Kyle cool, Zoe Kravitz cool, um, Paul Dano great, great, great generational um, actor. The Riddler itself was a little unabomby, and I kind of like that. I like that there he's like on the dark web and like, hey guys, yeah, really appreciate you like following like 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 totally. Thanks, thanks for my. Pre- patreon this month has really been getting me through i, I used my uh monthly gifters to buy uh pipe bombs and uh, kerosene so thanks guys and and even the twitch chat was great they're like oh I, here's where i found this uh, yeah, 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 yeah. here's to get that this kind of tape or like here's where i got this this jacket they're, they're so we really can all be interactive. like yeah instead so. of like every other twitch community which is like mm, shut up dude <laughs> yeah you're wrong you're bad at playing this game smell seat yeah smell <laughs> seat. seat twerk uh Great Twitch chat. Twitch chat was a great uh, iteration. Um, uh, we like Gordon. Gordon's great. I I'm I'm definitely a big fan of Jeffrey Wright. He's a really good actor. Um, I think he was the most. He wasn't Commissioner Gordon yet, and so I love that in Batman Year oh, One. He's, he's Lieutenant Gordon. He's still Lieutenant Gordon because he hasn't he hasn't quite weeded out the uh the ruffians and the thugs and the corrupt uh Gotham PD, and that's like a, that's like my favorite angle from Batman Year One the comic. Yeah. So. The fact that they integrated that so smartly was like just a masterstroke by the uh, Matt Reeves. I think a lot of careful attention went towards the comics and to 
a long Halloween into its like original source material and adapted yes. all of it and made it its own thing. Yes. It's its own universe. And that's why this movie is a masterpiece. Um, button this up with a nice tight rating of 95. You know, I gave it a 92. So I'm right there with you, brother. Yeah. I, I do want to say that I think uh, Spider-Man um, no, Way Home. no Way Home was around the same area. Mm. And I, I might have to change it because I like this movie so much more. Interesting. So I just watched No Way Home for the first time last week, and uh, I, I it didn't work for me for a lot of it. And then the ending, I was like, oh, this works for me. I gave it an 81. I thought it was great, mm. but a lot of it didn't work for me because it felt like it was a nostalgia grab. But nonetheless, we're right. As far as the Batman goes, it's our movie of the year, and it's going to be tough to beat this year. Yeah, truly. Because last year, the highest rating I gave a movie was 91. That was The Green Knight. So if, if, if the Batman came out That's last huge. year, That's it would have been my movie of the year last year. So... We'll see if anything beats 92 for me this year. A great bat car. Great bat car. Great Batmobile. Great Batmobile. Bat car. Bat car. All right, so movies went a little long. Uh, sue us. We're figuring it out as we go. Sue me. It was a good movie. Um, But now we are going to move on to television. Uh, in which I'm going to be talking about a little Disney Plus series that finished recently. It's called The Book of Boba Fett. I think nice. I, I think they include Fett. I just saw it called Book of Boba, so I got B-O-B in for short. Bob, uh, you watching, like watching any Bob? Um, I think I'm four episodes in. Um, slacking because my, my girlfriend sucks at watching shows. Whoa, good thing she don't listen to this podcast. Um, I'm... Bam, bam, bam. Uh, spoilers. Um, uh... I'm right where a previous character of a previous show we've watched enters the uh, s- story. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna vamp for you. Just mouth the name to me so I can read it out loud in my head, so I know exactly who you're talking about. You're still not mouthing it. Your lips. Okay. Um, I read Power Gordon. Uh, uh, the okay. Yeah, I got. It. All right. All right. Um, so I think that's a big reveal. It should stay secret. It should stay secret. That being said, I did not connect with Boba. Um, Same. I felt like they they really Disney tried to de-villainify him. Same. And tried to, I, I there's in the few episodes I watched, I actually still have a lot to say about it. Yeah, you yeah you got to finish it. Um, I just forced Steph to watch. She so did not care about it whatsoever. I just forced her to watch it. I was like, All right, let's, nice. let's get this over with. It's only like, well, Abby cares. She's oh, okay. Well, she works morning, so like I'll be. I'm this little graveyard goblin, and I'm, mm-hmm. like, watching stuff on my phone. <laughs> yeah, don't turn on the lights, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then she's, like, this beautiful sunflower waking up every morning at 6 a.m. Yeah, just light rays, and then she goes right to work, and, you know, our schedules don't exactly match up. Yeah, you know, I I know a thing or two about that. It clipped this out so I could send her how much I love her. <laughs> Clip it out. and Clip and, that for me. Okay, I'll clip it out and we'll put it on the TikTok that you never made a damn video for. That'll be the first one. Oh God, brother! Just how about how about while you're at work, look up a tutorial how to make TikToks and so you can. I know how. It's just I know you content, know how. The content is is weird. I don't know. Like, do I just grab part of the show and just screen record? Yeah, just screen record and then okay. throw throw JPEGs. That way you have the audio. Otherwise, okay. I'll, otherwise, I'll, I'll push those out. I don't know if that's exactly the content we're looking for on TikTok. Hashtag FYP. Okay. I'll push him. Um, Speaking of pushing P, (laughs) 
Um, the Book of Boba Fett is not pushing P. However, it does redeem itself with the back half. The back half that you have not seen yet. That's what I've been told by my brother. It does redeem itself, um, but not in the way that you want. But nonetheless, it oh, does great. redeem itself. Um, it has purpose. Um, there's one spoiler that I, I, I'm going to let you guys know. So if you don't want to hear anything about Book of Boba Fett, don't listen. But there is a character that makes a return from the comics. His name is Black Chrysanthemum. I think he comes up in the second episode. Um, he is from uh, Dr. Afro, which is a great comic. If you've never read it, it's an original story. Um, so it's super cool that he, as a bounty hunter... Um, he's badass. He's a badass. He's a Wookiee. Wookiee bounty hunter. Um, he's like if Chewbacca went rogue, essentially. And um, If Chewbacca dyed his hair and, and wore spikes. He's a badass. And Goth Chewbacca. He had, absolutely has a, a purpose, and he fills a role in, this, in, in the entire season. Um, and I really enjoy that. Uh, and his interactions with Boba and whatnot. He's he's super, super cool, and I love him in this season. I am a little disappointed about... Um, you know who's not badass? The Mod Squad, bro. <laughs> the freaking... Power Lego, Rangers. The, the Lego Star Wars-esque freaking booty garbage from Tatooine, bro. So I hate them so much. They are Power Rangers, 100%. They're all like older teens... They're all like have different colors that represent themselves. They all have like some kind of like genetically engineered something. Um, I like the idea of creating someone. Uh, did you get to Thundercat? I, I got to Thundercats. Yeah. So Thundercat is like this like m- m- human modder, and he like modifies people and brings them back alive. Or you know, that's kind of a cool idea to have like a montage of Thundercat like interacting with people. But the actual execution of these these dorks is just not fun. Yeah. So. Y- if I if I were to read this to you, there's a group of bandits that live in Tatooine who are modifying their body parts with droid parts, straight up ripping parts off of droids and clamping them onto their bodies to work. What would you picture? You'd picture a greasy man with a blaster on his wrist. I, I would think like more like cyborg. Shield. Yeah, some type of shield on his other arm and he's robbing people for water. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, you get these... Uh, uh, cyber greasers where everything's chrome and red and they ride scooters around i hate them so much they're so awful and they could have been so cool it makes me want to grab a disney rider and shake them like they have no idea what's going on in their own heads we're not leaving the town it's absolutely our place to protect (laughs) and he's like don't have to joke about my eye i paid a lot for this and it's like dude come on like you you you're Literally sacrificing your humanity to be better, and you, you got an eyeball, my guy. You're, there's droids out here with fifty millimeter blasters. You don't want you want an eyeball. Come on, guy. Um, at least at least Thundercat's cool, and he has an interchangeable hand. Yes. Uh, so they neuter Boba. Um, Finnick is cool. His like right hand woman. She's she's really great. Uh, she was great in Mandalorian. She's great in Mandalorian. Um, a big shout out to uh, Garza Fwip. She's the uh, sexy Twi'lek that is nude colored. That makes me feel things about aliens that I shouldn't be. Um, she she's the one in the bar. She, uh, she I think she owns the bar. Yeah, yeah, she's hot for sure. She I, she I feel like she has an assistant that's hotter than her. Like she the needs all a chill yellow for one. Sure. I feel like I don't know. Um, bottom line is this this is it's unfortunate that Book of Boba is very important to the Star Wars canon. Um, yeah. Also, um, sand people shouldn't be glorified. 
Tuscan Raiders should not be humanified. I 100% agree with you. Um, yes, they, it's their desert, sure, but they also just kidnap humans and sell them too. Or like, any race. They'll enslave any race. Like, why are, we a- why are we acting like these people are high and mighty? They kidnapped Anakin's mother and then killed her. Like, yes. raped and killed her. Yes. Like, that's all that's all Tuscan Raiders. Like, why are we why are we taking lizard LSD trips with them? They're misunderstood, man. Yeah, they're misunderstood. Come on, man. It, get, if, get it together. It feels very dancing with wolves. It feels very like uh John Wayne is interacting with the Native Americans and he's like, I'm trying to understand you and become one of your people. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, you once captured me, but now I'm free amongst you. Like it just it feels extremely hokey. Anything with like the backstory of, of where Bobo was since his appearance in Mandalorian season two, it's just not fun. Um, I Okay. I'm going to give the show a good rating. I'm giving it a 72 strictly because Black Chrysanthemum is incredible. And I'm so thankful they adapted him. There's another reveal at the back half of the season with a really good character. And again, the back half of the season just carries it. It carries it out of the hellhole that it establishes itself <laughs> from. And even if it doesn't like end on the strongest potential you know, possibility, at least it it feels like important. It's like, oh, this is actually important. Like this, this has value. Like the first half, it just feels like filler nonsense Um, for, for people that are like, oh, I'm a diehard Boba fan, Fett fan. And it doesn't matter. He's always been like this. He's always been like kind of a cool, nice guy, you know? Yeah. He's uh, always been a cool, nice guy. Come on. Compared to like the people who are like, oh, I love him. Cause he's like, uh, he says like two words, never takes off his helmet. Like he's a total like badass, but you know here he's has always has his helmet off, and he's like, you, sure, you guys go spend the night with the freaking Tuscan Raiders, bro. See if they like you. All right, so we, we we've gone over, but uh, one last thing: Tamar Marson's teeth, bro. His teeth are extremely distracting. He plays uh, Boba Fett, and anytime you see him, he has these massive veneers that are just so yeah. clean, so white. He's like in the middle of the desert, like completely like when he's bone full, dried. When he's fully starving and dry in the desert, they're still crisp white. His, his teeth are literally reflecting the camera lights. It is absurd. Like give this man a fake grill. Give him just something. To, like it's so easy to, it's like it yeah, happens all the time in Hollywood. On. Make him drink some coffee or something. Something. But his veneers are just so bright. And because he, he used to have bad teeth, now he doesn't. And that's fine. You live your best life. Whatever. That's, an, that's enough of Book of Boba Fett, man. 72, good, but not because of Boba. Not because of Boba. That's hilarious. Give me five minutes uh, to talk to you about my new favorite adult cartoon. Okay, I'm listening. Smiling Friends Okay. HBO Max. Never seen it. Never heard of it. Never seen it. Never heard of it. Um, it's great. It follows the these two, I guess you can call them social workers. Um, they work for this company called Smiling Friends, and all they do is take calls and uh, basically make uh, home visits to uh, make you smile. Um, interesting animation. Um, I just pulled up the images of it right now on my phone. Just promise me this is not like that stupid-ass cartoon you tried to get me to watch with the that's like a podcast that got adapted to no, like no, no, an no. animated show. No, 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 no. Think much more uh, Adult Swim. I mean, it is on Adult Swim. Think of... Uh, uh, we were just watching um, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Harvey Birdman. How uh, weird, the very, very uh, adult jokes, um, just strange characters coming in and out every every episode and you never see them again. Um, very strange, uh, definitely an adulter, uh, wacky. Dark? Dark, 
yeah, dark for sure. Um, there's a lot of people that are uh, requested by smiling friends that are just almost nearly suicidal um, or murderous or crackheads, um, all, all of the above. Um, whereas, whereas this show, uh, definitely it's, it's short, it's sweet. Um, it's going to make you laugh and it's a, it's a great, uh, background dose of, uh, comedy. Okay. From a nutshell, it kind of feels like it fills the role of like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Kind of yeah. like short, sometimes dark, sometimes humorous. Um, you could put it in the background kind of thing. Very much so. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think I'm going to check this out. What, what rating did you give it? Um, we're headed off with a big old eight zero. Okay. Good. The Grady. It's a great show. Grady. Grady is the grade. Excellent. Yeah. I'll be sure to check it out. I don't know if I'm going to waste cap it, but I'll check it out. In the world of sports, um, we are here to talk about UFC, baby, because uh, nothing else is going on that's interesting. Our basketball teams have both tanked. Uh, big tank. Big I think they got in the playoffs. I don't know if they fired Vogel yet, but they probably will. They did, yeah. They he's, did. He's gone. That's what I thought. Um, so, yeah, Lakers. LeBron's the coach anyway, so it doesn't matter. True, yeah. He, they're just, uh, they're just like a. They're, it's a, it's a, what, what do you say for like a empty monarchy? They're, a, you know, they're, they're. Facade? What, a puppet politician. They okay. mean nothing. They do and, nothing. See, I was going to say something very inappropriate. I was going to say a beard. But oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I mean, similar. I'll keep that one to myself. Um, <laughs> I'll cut that one out. Um, um, what else is it? Las Vegas has a F1 race coming up. Yeah, that's exciting. Exciting. We, I, I have been watching some Formula One as the season started up. I'm not going to be talking about anything because I've just been watching laps or recaps. But um, hopefully next month I'll talk about the season four of Drive to Survive. Um, just just installed a new soundbar, Samsung A650. Wow. Um, get a lot of those. Yeah. Bass rumbling. My subwoofer is going to be like. Yeah. Um, but no, we're going to be talking about the only sport that has mattered in this past month for us. The ultimate the fighting only sport that matters year round, baby. The ultimate fighting championship. It never, it never fails. It never fails to make us happy. Uh, it never fails to be uninteresting. It never fails to. I can get pretty unhappy with a, with a fight card. Okay, true. But it never fails to, um, bring me something good, and over the course of a couple months, you know. True. It, if you don't like the fight card this week, it's okay. Next week we got another one. Next week there's another one. You don't like this one? All right, check in, in next in, week. Th- check in in three weeks and see uh, see what that one is. Oh, that that's a championship fight you're interested in? Hmm. Hmm. What do you know? Hmm. Watch it, idiot. Hmm. So we're gonna be talking about two different um um fight cards. Uh, f- first things first, we're gonna be talking about UFC Fight Night. So here's the thing: not even a main number. We're just talking about a fight night because that's how damn incredible this one was. It's UFC Fight Night: Aspinall versus Volkov. Which is also dubbed as UFC London because it was the first event back in London. Overseas, baby. Overseas. And because they had a lot of English fighters on the card. And let me just tell you. Let me tell you. Most great fight cards um, are numbered. We'll start with that. They're part of the numbered series. They'll be like 273, (laughs) 260. Right. UFC fight nights are only usually good for the last fight. This UFC fight night had at least six interesting, great fights. Yeah, I, I equate fight nights as people trying to move around their division. Right. It's, it, there's never, obviously there's never a, a serious 
um, belt uh, contention. Um, there's never anyone. There's there's hardly even any like super high ranked fights. Um, they're usually around the 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 fighters that are around the twenty to like fifteen range, and they all want to move up and get higher, so they fight each other at fight night. So prelims usually always always will suck in uh, fight nights. Always will <laughs> yeah, suck. Those are like the bottom fifty freaking fighting for peanuts type of guys. But let me just tell you, the fact they put Paul Craig in the undercard as a prelim is a spit in the face of Paul Craig. He is one of the best fighters. He's probably, if, as far as top three, top favorite fighters right now for me is Paul Craig, the bear Jew himself out of Scotland. He is an impeccable fighter. He is so fun to watch. He's a light heavyweight with an incredible ground game. He gets a win over uh, Krylov by submission. In the first round. UK goes undefeated, right? Who? All of UK. In oh, this. in this fight, I think everyone who is from the UK region ends up winning. Like, yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, uh, it's kind of weird to... I mean, especially... You know, we're talking like seven fights? Uh, Corey McKenna lost, sorry. She, she's from Wales. So not, not quite everyone did. Well, she's not from the UK. She's from Wales. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, for, for our, uh, <laughs> our, our three friends uh, from Wales, hey, sorry about that, guys. Hey, my bad, guys. Uh, that uh, one's uh, on me. Uh, we apologize. Um, so we'll, we'll start there. Prelim, great great prelim. Um, Jack Shore is another a UK guy who's who had a big, big win. Uh, did, I mean, didn't, unanimous decision. wasn't like spectacular. All right. Let's talk about the main card. The... Four four fights that were just balls to the walls. We'll start with one Molly McCann, um, aka Lil Meatball. Her fight against Luana Carolina was a delight. I believe you said it was the best women's fight you may have ever seen. Yeah, I like in my head I can't um think of a better fights than that, honestly. Just because um uh, every time, uh, what's that great blonde kickboxer that's like female? Female, yeah. Um, Paige Van Zandt. No, no, no. <laughs> she's she's the current champion. Oh, oh, Yoyana uh, Shevchenko. Yeah, Shevchenko. Uh, watching any of her fights, they're so like she just overly dominates them. Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, she's a great fighter but she's up against the scrub. So it's like not a great fight. She might be the best female fighter I've watched, um, but that was definitely probably the best female fight. Yeah. yeah and because it goes three rounds to a point where little meatball Molly ends up pulling out a huge win for all Liverpool, for all the scouses out there, and just gets this crazy just like knockout, and it's insane. Yeah, a third round knockout is, is, is pretty baller, not going to lie. I think it came from an elbow. Was it like a like an elbow to the temple? Yeah, it was. She, she it, insane. Anyone who got a finish, uh, Dana White was feeling so good. He said they all got performance bonuses. It was, yeah, I mean that's how good the card was. That's like, how, that's good, how it was. good the fights was. Where you're, just, where you're just like, dude, they all there's there was no choice. They all get bonuses. Next up was uh, our our boy fan favorite Patty the Batty uh, against Kazula Vargas. Um, we're just gonna keep throwing softballs to Patty until he gets ranked, and then he, <laughs> and then he has to fight somebody ranked. But until then, Dude, I hate the UFC also for that. Until then, we're just gonna keep throwing softballs, even though we know he's an absolute mad lad. 
and he is a cash cow, just like he said, and he is going to be the face of I'm UFC. A cash cow. Scouses don't get knocked out. Um, so he wins first round submission. Easy. Yeah, he's in win. He, he was kind of sloppy too, but well, uh, he didn't even sweat. Yeah, he didn't sweat. Yeah, he 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 got put up against the cage and he just kind of did this amazing judo throw into a rear naked choke, and it was just you know fantastic fashion. Um, Arnold Allen showed up on my radar. I, I don't know how I missed out on this man with an eight-fight win streak right now in the featherweight division, mm. but Arnold Allen from England, you, my good sir, are on my radar. You listening right now? You are on my radar. I did not expect you to be Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is legit. And so the bit, fact bit, that... Bit of a journeyman. Bit of a journeyman. Uh, the fact that you knocked him out in the first round, hats off. Hats off, brother. And then finally, uh, we got the main event, um, uh, Tom Aspinall. Um, against Alexander Volkov. Volkov's a big boy. He's my 6'7 uh, twin. Um, cutie. 6'7 cutie. 6'7 cutie. Uh, but Aspinall is just, he's just Frank Mir Jr. I mean, that's what he is. Dude, what a, what a beast too. He ends up winning by submission in the end of the first round. He doesn't even, have, Tom Aspinall doesn't even have a nickname yet. Like he's <laughs> like, he's, he's had, that you young. Had a, you had a bit of an inflection on that one. Too. Doesn't even have a nickname yet. Yeah. I was feeling a little patty behind that one. Um, he's 12 and two, number six now ranked in the heavyweight division. Uh, Taito Ivasa versus Tom Aspinall is going to be the most electric fight we're going to see all year. Yeah. It's going to be straight up upsetting for either way. Either way, I love both fighters. I would like to see Ty um, somehow knock out Nagano. It's never going to happen. Yeah. But at least Aspinall versus Ty is going to be like very convincing, very like matched, like even skill levels, both like elite, elite heavyweight fighters in the whole world. Yeah, I imagine it's uh, one of those two will win and they will get knocked out by Nganu and then they will fight again. And it'll be, <laughs> they'll revisit it. And then whoever wins that will then also get knocked out by Nganu. But that whole string of fights, I'll be very excited to watch every single one of them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the hype coming up to it, it's gonna be it's gonna be insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did take the night off or the day off work that day um, to to watch this whole card because I I knew I, I was like I got to see Paul Craig, he's in the prelims. I, I it's a very Patty. you got to see Patty. I'm gonna watch every Patty fight that I can because that man is just he's I'm gonna he's be on, in his corner forever. He's straight to the top. Straight he's to the top. Rocket boosted to the top. He's legit. Like uh, I want to be in Sean, uh, Sean O'Malley's corner, Sugar Shine, mm. but. Um, you know he, he's kind of a d bag, so it's like I'll, I'll support him from afar. But Patty, I'll yeah. I'm, when I'm Sugar him. fights, I'll be like, mm, good job, Sugar. Yeah. But when when Patty's not fighting, I'm like, oh, damn, Patty to the top, bro. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a scouser right with him, bro. Um, so I'm giving that one literally giving it a 97. It's one of the best cards I've ever seen in UFC history, and I'm and I'm I'm very thankful I took the day off work. Nice dude. All right, what UFC event you got for us, bro? What UFC event I'm bringing to you? I'm bringing you. UFC 273, baby. Nice. I, I, I like that one. Did you like that one? Yeah, it was, it was good. All right, so people, uh, main, we'll start from where I watched. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, did, I did just catch the back end of it because I, I was working, but thankfully when I get off work, it, like, I, I'm able to usually watch the part of the main card that I want to see. Yeah, I can't see anything behind it, so we're starting right off at Mackenzie Dern versus Tasia Torres. Um, okay, Mackenzie Dern, um, of British, uh, British, sorry, Brazilian descent. Mm-hmm. 
um, spent her, her, her camps basically are two years in Brazil rolling with a bunch of brown dudes and geese. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, respectfully, when you see her fight, it's exactly what that is, is a masterclass of jujitsu. Um, this one actually went into a split decision. Which yeah, was a little bit controversial. A little bit of a controversial split decision, but still uh, uh, a masterclass of Mackenzie Dern's jujitsu skills. Uh, next up, the the fight of the night, absolutely. Um, arguably the second rocket to the moon in the UFC currently. Uh, I would say the number one rocket to the moon. Number like, one? Pat, Patty's got to be like two or three because Kamzat Chimaev, is the rocket we've talked about him before when he fought the leech and he picked him up into Dana White's corner and said, uh, "Where's my money? Or I'll kill them or something like that." Yeah, he said. He said, "Give me my money." He wants the like as he wants the fight bonus uh, mid. That's right. Yeah, he, he yeah. asked for the fight bonus mid fight to Dana's face. Yeah. So he's kind of uh, just the hottest commodity in UFC now, and he faced number three ranked. What's yeah. three or four? Uh, Gilbert Burns was number three. Yeah. So him being number 11, he was 11 at the time. Oh, sorry. Gilbert Burns was number two, only behind Colby Covington. Okay. <laughs> so this is Cosmot being number 12 or 11 ranked in the division. Fighting number two is very unheard of. Obviously a very bad fight for Burns if he loses. Right. Um, he has nothing to gain by fighting. Yeah. He basically, I mean, at this point, technically, if you're really counting, he's knocked out of the the top 10 ranking that's that's math that's math for you i don't I, it don't work that way he's just gonna he's just gonna drop it down to five they have too many gatekeepers they like people to sing at the top exactly let alone their uh, bogus ranking system mm-hmm. um kazmat shimaev um for the first time we've seen i've seen go the distance the world go the full distance meanwhile um he has the crazy stat of like being punched four times and six fights right um so this one like actually see him stand up take some hits get rocked get knocked down um get wrestled um is all uh very exciting yes just one of the best fighters he comes in and smash um but this time he didn't smash he had to smash for 15 minutes yes that's very exciting very good to watch um still one of the craziest most intimidating fighters out there good dub from your boy um, I, I love the pre-fight bef- when he, he, the first time they have a video recording when, uh, comes out meets Gilbert Burns at a hotel. Yeah. They're, they're both in, uh, towels and he's like, Oh, you're small, bro. You are small, bro. I didn't yeah. know you were so little. And it's funny cause comes out like six, two and Gilbert Burns is like five, eight. And they're both like muscular dudes in their own right. But it's just like getting into the mental head of Gilbert Burns. Yeah. Just two naked guys. And meanwhile, Cosmo is giant bearded man. He's like, show me power. You show me power right now. Kamza is literally the anime, um, like best friend antagonist. Like he is Bakugo from My Hero Academia. Like he is a hundred percent. He's like, I kill everyone. He, I'll kill you. Just arrogant, brash, uh, overconfident, even just all the bad things. But he's still just winning and smashing people. Uh, so new rankings are are out for that welterweight division. Um. Camaro number one, Covington number two, sorry, Covington number one, um, Leon Edwards number two, Kamzat number three, and then yeah. Gilbert Burns number four. How do you go unranked to three? I think he was ranked 11. He was ranked 11. 
So he was unranked. Then he beat uh, the Leech, became 11, because that was the Leech's spot was 11. Mm-hmm. So he becomes 11. And then he jumps all the way from 11 to 3. Now I think Dana want, want, wants him to fight Colby. Has to. I mean, I think he fights. Well, it's just like Kobe's now fought Masvidal twice. Or once? That's once. Yeah. Uh, Kobe's fought Usman probably three times. <laughs> or yeah. twice. Uh, twice for the belt and once not for the belt, I think. Um. Yeah, so I mean... But the the other thing is that Burns also had a great fight. He did. Um, he really looked good. Like I was not expecting Burns to be like that powerful, that aggressive, that like he was able to take some big punches. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like maybe the first round he did take some really big punches and just didn't know where to move. But like two and three, he was very much flowing, rolling with uh Cosmot's huge punches, like just rolling with them and throwing counter strikes. So it was like. And also his jab was just there every single time. It was, it, he looked very good, even though he just dropped so many spots. Um, he still had a good fight. And, uh, you know, in, in good uh, big brother fashion, they kissed on the forehead in blood and sweat <laughs> uh, post-fight. It was it was a unanimous decision, which is not very controversial. Um, Kazmat is still just a absolute smashing monster. Undefeated. Undefeated. Um. Let's just very quickly get to these next two fights. The next two fights were actually title fights, and it's funny that the non-title fight was way more interesting. Yeah. Um, next two fights is Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan. Um, previously, a controversial decision, uh, Aljamain Sterling holding the belt because Peter Yan was disqualified um, for an illegal knee. Um, now they meet up, and they go the full five rounds. Mm-hmm. Um and then you can argue uh, it's also a kind of an arguable split decision. Um, I mean, even Joe Rogan was saying, he, he, hey, he might have won the first three rounds. So even if Peter Yan did come up big, which he did, he did win at least the very last round, it doesn't matter because the first three rounds were won by uh, Aljamain Backpack Sterling, who yeah. was able just to ride out uh, on I the mean, back of Peter Yan. Yeah, you want to write excuses of how bad he was in the last fight or anything like mm-hmm. that. He showed up today and he was he healthy, strong, and impressive, and won through his game plan. So, um, you could be mad, you could be angry. It was still a pretty decisive point victory, control time victory, um, for Aljamain. Ready for this hot take? Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan, two zero. Let's find mm. uh, let's find Aljamain a new uh, competitor. Yeah, technically, no, no need to have a trilogy. What's the point of a trilogy if you if you win two to zero? It's it, you only do trilogies when it's one one. If it's two zero, no, you already beat them twice. It's, He's it's done. yeah. There's no point. In, you, you make Peter Young go through the freaking the roster, the gauntlet again. Yeah, he'll smash him. You get good sure. fights. Yeah, you get good fights. Yeah, Peter Young's a, Peter Young's a very conventional Greco-Roman fighter. Um, next one, the featherweight title bout. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky. Cheng versus Cheng Sung Jun, the Korean zombie. Cheng Sung Jun was not written anywhere. It would say it said zombies corner. It I, said I don't know why they do that to him. It's been his whole career. His whole career. I think it's I think it's his choice. I think he doesn't want to be known by his name. I think he wants he, to be known as the fighter the Korean zombie. I think Jung is a really common last name in Korea, and I think Chan is also a really common name. And so he just doesn't. It's just like why would you go by Joe Williams when you can go by um. Uh, the axe murderer. Yeah. The axe murderer. It 
it's it's just interesting. It but is it, interesting. It, it's it kind of one of the best nicknames. In yeah, the I mean, Korean Zombie. It's insane. And the whole like country of Korea rallies behind him because of you know his, what he stands his for. His name has Korea yes. in it. Korea, yeah. So um, it's smart. So Alexander Volkanovsky, me and my brother decided he's probably like at this moment maybe top six pound for pound fighter, like one of the best fighters in UFC. Top five for sure. Yeah. He, he's a, he's basically undefeated. Like I think he's like twenty two and one, twenty three and one now. Um, uh, he's he's the humanification of a honey badger. Yeah, like this small, super scrappy, can do everything. Um, bald Australian man, just crazy as all get out. Um, versus arguably one of the uh, most tragic stories in the UFC, uh, the Korean zombie, who had a beautiful part in his hair during the fight. Did he? <laughs> Yeah, it was it was very Korean to have like a part in your hair to enter a UFC ring. Yeah, so me being Asian American as well, also um, Korean Zombie is one of my favorite fighters, and no doubt, it was just unfortunate that in Korea you have mandatory uh, military service, mm. and he went away for three years. Wow. So I think he has the record of uh, longest gap between fights, and it's like obviously like three thousand days or something like that, four thousand days. Yeah, I, I think I think it was saying that specific stat was for title fights because he he's fought for the title before, yeah. um, but it was just a long time ago when he fought for the title. Um, um but uh, much like, uh, a lot of this division, it's very uh, uh, broken and weird. Um, th- both both Bantam and Featherweight, I think, are peaking. Bantam, Feather, and Welterweight are all peaking, basically of you know how many how many fights can we get out of these people how many uh, two time belt contenders can we get out of these it it it's all very weird and this is another one of those weird fights where it's just like a huge mismatch because they have no one else to fight Volkanovski um Zombie hasn't been doing great he did is he coming off a win i'm pretty sure he's coming off of a win yeah he had to be i think he he beat um Ige yeah but Ige's not even that great of a fighter. To no. go from Ige to Volkanovski. And is... the, the, the fight before that, he lost to Ortega. So it's like, well, Volkanovski kind of put on the show against Ortega, the best fight of last year. Yeah. Um, and here it was just like, even though the Korean Zombie had a great fight uh, and, you know, could still see him improving and whatever he is doing in Arizona now is very uh, beneficial towards him, it was still absolute no match for how strong Volkanovski's jab is, how strong he is on his feet, um, his head movement, and his just overall skill just outshadowed the lack of um, uh, care for one's own body as the uh, Korean zombie's known for to walk towards people. So I wonder if um, Korean zombie goes back to lightweight now because he used to fight at lightweight. Yeah. Fought against uh, Dustin Poirier and won. Lost against Aldo and that was for the belt like nine years ago. Uh, before he took his three-year leave of absence. Um, so I'm like, does, at 35, do you hang it up, or do you just go to a different weight class? Because there's no way he's beating Volkanovski. So I just think there's no point, unless he's just in it for the money. I mean, yes, you can be a, a that sense of like a Daryl Cerrone freaking yeah. journeyman, but... Who's never going <laughs> to never gonna win the title. Yeah, he's not, I, don't, I doubt he would even be in a title fight ever again. Ever again. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it's probably the same for the zombie. But the problem is, is that uh, Cerrone is pretty cautious as a fighter. Um, he doesn't take a lot of damage if he doesn't have to. Yeah. 
um, whereas the zombie, he got beat up. Like, and that, that's where he gets his nickname from. Yeah. It's like, oh, he walks straight towards his opponents and knocks them out. And it's like, you can do that. You can you can get famous for that. But like when you, at, at the caliber of Volkanovsky is he's, he can step aside and just keep jabbing you. Like that's what happened is um, zombie never covered up the left side of his face. And it showed like uh, three minutes into the first round, there's a huge red spot on his cheek already from maybe four or five jabs that just landed right straight down the middle. Um, Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it stopped in the third round. It, I, I mean, I, I think I would have called it when, when I call, called the it the second. Uh, no, no. When Herb called it, you know, yeah, it was called, clean. He was he was basically stumbling, not protecting himself. Uh, couldn't accurately find Volkanovski as a target. So it's like, yeah, it's time I, to stop it. I was watching with some buds. Um, uh, shout out to to Brian, Travis, and Charles. And uh, I just said, hey guys, you guys play a game without me. I'm, I'm watching UFC, and they're like, well, no, let's stream it. So we streamed it, and they're, they're not UFC fans, but it, it. They Travis brought up a good point where he was like, yeah, ultimately as a referee, you gotta protect your fighters that's like the yeah that's what thing. that's their job to do that's their job to do and by that time he'd already suffered so much damage and yeah. even the doc goes up to Korean zombie and he's like hey do you want to keep fighting and he's like yeah yep. and then and then he's like Super, all right he's good i mean completely good. completely coherent and everything which yeah. is so like clearly he's not as protective of himself he knows he's losing at that point down two rounds into the third round he's like yeah i still want to fight i can i can i can win this and then herb Thankfully, steps in and is like, "Hey, man, it's more damage than it's worth." Yeah. After taking just, just it was just like forty five seconds into the in that round, and he just took too yeah. much damage. And he's like, All right, he it's over. He still couldn't stand. He still couldn't hold his gloves up. It was just a, it was a good stoppage. Good stoppage. Rating. Rating on UFC. Two seventy three. I'm giving it an eighty seven. Okay. Um, I also really liked all these fights. Even though there's a bit of controversy, there's a bit of uh, maybe some bad fighters on here. Um, overall, I got to see uh, Chimaev go three rounds. And that's what makes it an 87. You know, that's a good point. I, because I did only get to see, I think, the last four fights. Um, but I did see um, Kamzat. Uh, a full 15 minutes of Kazmat is, uh, is pretty badass. I know it's going to be one of the top five fights of the year, undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give it similar. I'll, I'll give it like an 84. I think it was great, great for the last two fights not being kind of underwhelming. Banger. Always got to have the last word, huh? You can cut it out. <laughs> no, I'm keeping Banger in. Banger's going to be, it's going to be in there. No, it is. So in the world of anime, um, I finally maybe go, I should start. No, <laughs> if, if chronologically yes, it makes sense, but I got, I got, I got, okay. So finally, after hearing a lot about it, DRI reviews it on a show last year, I think. Um, I don't know even know if it was fin, it was finished when he reviewed it. Um, so the, the anime is called Jujutsu Kaisen. And so the funny thing about this show There's no wrestling. <laughs> why why would that be funny? You laughed, so <laughs> you tell me, buddy. He's like, I can't stand uh being a co host. Uh so the, <laughs> the, the funny thing about it is 
uh, D-Ray and I actually watched the first episode together blindly. We, we, on one lowly night back when I was in like, it had to be like I was at the apartments or like, uh, I don't know. We, we used to watch anime together at like late at night. Yeah. We would just finish like playing games or whatever. And we watched like one, one episode of a random new anime. Yeah. And that was just yeah. like, it was like anime roulette. And we're like, hey, I've heard some good stuff about Jujutsu Kaisen. So the first episode, not a good hook. Not really, no. Not a good hook. Doesn't really tell you what you're in for. It's, it doesn't explain anything well at all. It doesn't even establish the setting. The, the, yeah, it's, it le- it's at least on a cliffhanger too. It just is like, this is this character and this is what his, his scenario is. And so it's like, uh, we'll continue it maybe. Uh, you watched it, told me stuff, compared it to Naruto, and I was like, okay, I, I see. I, and so eventually I got Crunchyroll from uh, my sister-in-law, Jenny. And shout out. Shout out to, to Jane and I. And what happened was Jujutsu Kaisen was on there. And I was like, okay. I saw that she was watching it. So I watched like the next three episodes. Well, I think I'd already seen episode two, so I watched three and four. Once I got to four, I was like, oh, this is what's happening. This is kind of like the flow state of it. These are like who some of the antagonists are. This is what I'm going. I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. And I, I liked it almost for personal reasons. Like it wasn't like I admitted this wasn't anything grandiose. It wasn't like anything like super cool. But I um, just grew in love with so many of the different characters. It, it took like elements of like My Hero Academia with like the class system of like having like a class 1A. Yeah, like, and older classmates. Um, yes, like your, your senpais who are like uh, upperclassmen that like know more. Th- these crazy personalities like t- twins, um, talking animal, like Panda is one of the most... like Just Panda. One of the greatest characters of all of anime. I love Panda. Um, I love the knuckles. Like when he puts them on and they're supposed to be like cutesy and they have little panda faces on them and they're bright blue. It's supposed to be cutesy, but it's like, it's kind of badass. I, I honestly, most of my life, I've hated pandas. After watching this, Whoa. I've, I've like had a bit of, because the fandom around pandas, right? People are like, oh, Fair. here's the, here it is, the cute little panda. They are, I've, they are big, stupid animals and yes, they're extinct because they can't survive in the wild. Like they're just big and stupid. I have, I have really been against pandas my whole life. I watched this anime and this fictional, um, Japanese speaking panda made me come around on it. I thought about, it, I was like. I was like, hey, wasn't there a panda in Tekken that I love to play as? Yes, there is. Yes, uh, dude. Um, this character really, really made me feel like the, I... The full embodiment. I like pandas a lot because of, of Panda from Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, for anyone who's never watched it, it's very shonen anime of, you know, exercising spirits, evil spirits. Like, they, they don't... The they don't outside s- world can't see it. Right. We can see Only it. Only certain people can see it. Um, you see these, like, evil spirits. Uh, and it's like the spirit within you. It it draws a lot of stuff from. I I found a lot of comparisons between Demon Slayer of like exercising demons. Um, I found a lot of comparisons. Like the the main the main protagonist is very similar to I would say Ichigo from Bleach. He's kind of a cooler character. He doesn't like he has, he does wear his emotions on his sleeve, but not like so much as like Naruto or not so much as like Midoriya from other like sh- shonens. Um, the My Hero Academia. Um. But he's 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 pretty generally likable, um. Mm. But Fushig- like, likable goofball, likable goofball, yeah, yeah. Which is like important for protagonists. But like any good anime, all the best characters are not the main one; they're all the supporting cast. I think that the best animes are like the the supporting cast makes the show better. Um, and Fushiguro is incredible. Yeah. I 
I love the like I've always loved like summon users who can like summon spirits or summon something to to help him out. He can summon like these animals. Um, I I love that he's like mellow. He's like everything I wanted Sasuke to be. He's the that's his comparison in Naruto. That's his like one to one comparison. But he's everything I Sasuke want. I wanted him to be, but like better, and like I don't know where his story goes. And I pray to all that is holy that it does not go evil. And that he does not side with like the evil spirits of somehow. I'll, I'll lose. I'll lose my ish. I will. I will too. And I'm sure if you've read the manga and you know this already, then um, you, you're holding back the laughter. Don't this one. This hey, this time don't write in. Hey, j- hey, bro, don't send that email. You're don't typing s- it right now. Don't send that email. Don't send email. Don't be like, well, Holden. Uh, I guess the next arc, you're not gonna. No, don't send that. Because Fushiguro is pure to me. I love him. I've seen a cool tattoo of like a shadow puppet of his hand, like with like a like a wolf behind wolf, it, because yeah. that's how he summons his like shadow wolf. And I'm and I'm seriously considering getting it, even though I have no tattoos. Um, this this show was awesome. Great fights, great animation. There's a lot I liked about it, but again, I like I want to state I don't think I liked it for the reason everyone else did. Yep, fair enough. Um. I love the sushi bro. I forget his name every time. He's a name. Yeah, who can only uh, speak in cursed um, voice. Cursed the cursed voice user. Yeah. Um I love him. He has a big part of uh my show. But um yeah, I love him. The uh weapons girl, she has a very interesting backstory, as in she cannot see the demons, she uses the glasses to see the demons. Um yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things that uh, that do hold me around uh JJK. Um, but I wouldn't say it's at the top of my list. No, it's, it's not at the top of my list. Uh, in fact, I can tell you right now, I ended up placing it on my, uh, on my top, uh, six seventy anime of all time. I have Jujutsu Kaisen as number 19. That's uh, not bad. And I actually have it one above Demon Slayer because of just ultimately, I feel like the supporting cast is stronger. The, even if the animation's maybe not as good, um, I like the villains more. I like where the story goes. It's, it's kind of, it's pretty dark. I mean, so Demon Slayer. Talking but, a lot of garbage who hasn't seen season two. True. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that like the strongest user in there, or like the strongest character is Satoru Gojo, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the teacher. That's crazy. Like that is insane that he's, he's basically All Might, but All Might never got weaker. Like All Might never yeah, if, never if, had any weakness. Yeah, if All Might was selfish and never passed down his powers, um, and and that's like insane that your te- your teacher is the strongest person. Yeah, in the whole. I also like also he Gojo's a bit of has a bit of anti hero yes. too because he's kind of going against the, uh, uh, what is it like the school board? I guess the 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 ancient warlocks of right. the, who control ultimately control the school and everything to do with magic. Um, he's very strictly like going against them, um, trying to bring uh, this kid into the school. Um, they all think that he should be destroyed because he's a very high level, powerful curse. Um, and, you know, it's his prerogative to bring him in. And if he fails, then he will kill him himself. There's a whole bunch of uh, first episode nonsense for you um, that you do need to get past to get to the good meat of this uh anime. Uh Toge Unumaki is your Unumaki, yeah. Is your cursed voice. Um a lot a lot of stuff I really, really liked about the show. 
Um, I was just Im- impressed with it all the, all the way through. Um, and I'm, I'm going to end up scoring this one uh, fairly high. Like I said, number 19, all-time favorite anime. Uh, I am giving Jujutsu Kaisen a thick 9-0-90. I think it's a masterpiece. I like the way they do the storytelling. I like um, a, a lot of like the subverting expectations. Um, like just everything about it really worked for me. Um, and I think it, again, I think that's personal to me. I think it just, it just hit, hit the right strides for me. Once the show kind of started going, I was like, I, I was watching two episodes a day, like one at lunch, one during one, of my lunch breaks, one during the other one. Like I was f- flying through it because I just really yes. enjoyed it a lot. Friendo. Yes. And that character is great too. <laughs> and I love, I love how, uh, Gojo is goofy too. Like to have your, yeah, he's weird. Um, he's a bit, it, like he's just like not like a good teacher sometimes and like no the um students like show that um yeah all of that's great um so so this leads us right to the anime you want to talk to us about Jujutsu Kaisen Zero which is the prequel and a movie yes so it's a what 90 minute movie yeah um but this uh follows the um older class the first classman um which would be panda uh what was his name you know suke you know suke oh so Um, inumaki uh yuta and maki zinan yeah so um this follows mainly yuta which is the uh, equivalent of the main character from the series um and it, it basically goes down the same exact road um that he is a late stage discovering his uh powers um very uh high class level uh curse that uh gojo um decides to take in as a student um at the uh how would you say this at the uh uh besides the advice of the uh, head council um so the same sort of situation where if he fails in teaching the student he will kill him himself um mm. the um the i feel like his curse is uh, is basically sort of the same thing where he's has this possession around him um that is protecting him in his life uh uh for different motivations than in the series. Um, but overall it's just good because I got to see more of the characters that I actually liked. Um, right. Uh, and watching them like get uh, serious and like, like long ended fights rather than like a, a group fight where they're just a, a little part in. Um, as far as like backstory, you don't learn much about the, uh, um, or you, you do end up learning more about the, main antagonists from the series okay and where they stand and kind of their motivations of why they would collect a giant uh powerful curse obviously um other than that i don't want to like get too deep into it because there's a lot of interesting things that happen that are uh spoiler heavy super spoiler heavy but it is interesting that after the the first two cores so like the essentially the first season of the show comes out 
then they release a movie that is the prequel to the first season. Yeah. And That's I, kind of interesting. I do want to see like where it takes it because now we're kind of at this place where there's two identical main characters. Um, mm. By the end of this movie, there's there's two guys that are doing sort of the same thing or in the same sort of place where they're um, taken under this Gojo Gojo's wing, essentially, um, to learn and be good uh, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen exorcist. And um, basically versus this uh, crazy, weird antagonist uh, who's apparently super powerful. Um, unfortunately, the, um, Megumi Fushiguro is not in this movie, but, right? Yeah, he's but, not because he's part of the other class. But Panda will be, so. Panda Panda's pretty heavy in it. That's, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to some Panda content. That's all I care about. Yes, absolutely. And I will uh, absolutely... Be watching this for the waste cap because I, like I said, I cannot get enough of this content. I did not expect to like the show so much after a very lackluster pilot episode. I'm I'm kind of shocked that I yeah. uh, I I really really enjoyed this show and it like like I mean not so much that it, it's any higher than 19, but it still is like oh man, anime is still great. I I do predict that you will like this. Um, even though it does not have your favorite character in it, um, it still gives you a a lot of lore for what's to come. Um, it gives you a lot of uh, screen time for those uh, people, those side characters that maybe didn't get enough screen time during the series. Um, and other than that, uh, I do really appreciate like what they did with um, his curse and how kind of it worked in with the rest of the team and um, all of that. I do feel like that was very interesting. So um, overall, I kind of want to just give it the old 85. 85. I like that. Yeah, if I can give it an 85, it'll be great. You saw it in theaters? I saw it in theaters, yes. Wow. For for a show that I I don't know if I like really that all that much. Alone? Um with my brother and his girlfriend. Oh, right on. Yeah. Wh- yeah. which they really like the show, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and again, I I liked it more than I thought of it, so I'm, I'll I'll peep it. You got it. It's it's necessary. I'm sure it will uh relate to the next season those man- those dirty manga readers and already know. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, moving on to video games. I have a video game for you, bro, that you will probably never play. But if you ever see yourself having time for a little game, it's called Tunic. You might have heard about it because it was was originally, like, announced maybe... 2017 and it <laughs> that's a long time yes, ago yes for an indie game right for a little indie game um it was, so it was announced a long time ago and people have just been seeing more and more footage and a lot of people are getting sick of it they're like ugh, this little fox and his little tunic what's this zelda knockoff and i was like okay i'll check it out i'll check out this zelda knockoff you know I'll check don't it out. you worry and i'll review it on my show so it was on pc game pass so i'm like no brainer oh. I oh, pay yeah. for, I pay for the PC Game Pass, nice. Netflix for video games, so I downloaded it, um, booted it up, right? Little fox started off with like a little twig, started like hitting people with a twig, and then you're like, oh, okay, you find the story, and you're like, oh, this game's a lot easier. Um, it it is very reminiscent the gameplay to Death's Door. Um, last year I reviewed a game called Death's Door where you played as a crow. I'd say Death's Door is sometimes more visually interesting and more captivating in its kind of conceptual design. Um, but this game is actually more similar to Hyperlight Drifter, um, not so much in combat, but more in 
crypticness. In Hyperlight Drifter, you uh, play the protagonist, unnamed, and every di- bit of dialogue is uh, text. They're just ancient text, so you don't know what anyone's saying. You don't know what any of the map is or anything. You just kind of accomplish stuff. So you, everything's done visually cues. Um, Tunic is the same way, where everything is pretty much cryptic speech, and, and then every once in a while you'll get like clues of English. Here's what sets Tunic apart from either of those games, and really any game I've ever played, and the reason why this game was so damn compelling. Tunic has a built-in game guide. And I'm not talking about like like a how-to Sackboy's Adventure or something like that. I'm talking about 1994 Donkey Kong 64 game guide where you would flip open to a certain page and it would tell you about this part in the game. Um, it would tell you about different, like basically where you need to go, what are like the little collectibles, what are the, like the things, like a little map for each and every area that you go to. And... I would go as far to say um, this single element changes the entire game because not do you, you don't get everything all at once. You collect pages at random. It's just enough information to get you along. So the very first page you collect is going to be like page number nine. And then you get the flip side of it. So you can flip the page over. So you have pages nine and 10. And then you, as you get more and more pages, you start piecing together. You still have half of a picture because it's, you know, it's a, it's a double page spread like a magazine. And you'll have half of like a, this artist drawing of like something. And you'll be like, oh, what is he doing? He's like, oh, he's kneeling. Because if you hold A in front of these altars, it does this. Like so much of the game is available immediately. Your eyes are opened as you read from the game guide. And it's such a cool element that just changes totally how I've played any video game ever. Honestly, that sounds really interesting. Really compelling to like, it, I mean, I guess it doesn't have like uh tips and tricks i imagine so nothing's in english like i said it's all like this cryptic writing so there is little stuff like that there's like little like oh pointing arrows and like it has like little like boxes like bubble boxes of like cool tapes and tricks um and sometimes it has like different items and their explanations and it'll just have certain like things in english so it'll be like da 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 hp and you'll be like okay so this one is referring to your health or certain like different things and it's like I was feeling really weak and I was like, what, what is wrong with me? Well, if you have this certain thing and you go in front of this like statue and you give this amount of credits, it upgrades your attack or upgrades your special defense or, or, or your upgrades, you know, uh, your magic, whatever. It, so much of the game is just revealed by you figuring stuff out. And that is the, the biggest um, praise I can give and also the biggest downfall. Because if you get stuck, you're, it's on you. You're big stuck, bro. It's on you. Because you're not figuring something out. And I, that happened to me a couple of times where I'm like, oh, the answer was in the game guide. And I flipped through it so many times, but I just couldn't make sense of it. Um, hmm. And one time I did actually get big stuck where I was like, well, where do I go next? Like I've, I've been everywhere. I'm like, where do I go next? Um, and I, what I had to do was go somewhere that I just didn't think about. Just, there was nothing that was leading me to that space. This is where I needed to go. And I'm like, that's frustrating where it was like, there's no, there's no indicator. Um, and that's like why I didn't like uh, last month or the medium of the month I talked about um, inside when there's no indicator for where to go next or what to do. Um, at least if it doesn't need to be immediate, it doesn't have to be a big flashing arrow or like a, like a ping on the map. It doesn't have to be something like that, but it's some kind of like way for me to kind of get back on track. Otherwise I have to look up a guy. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm not a, a professional game designer, but you put a little like chest or loot box in that general direction that faces you towards a outcove or a hallway. Yeah. And, like that's the way to do it. But I mean, overall that sounds pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. It's almost hard to imagine like trying to work through a level and then opening up a guide. It's it's all sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because you just you hit like I'm I playing on the Xbox controller. You just hit like LB and it opens up the game guide. And you can just flip pages and like, and I'll be like, oh, okay, Frog's Cove. Okay, I, yeah, I've read this. I've had this page for like two hours now, and I was wondering when I'd get to Frog's Cove, and I get there, and it does thankfully have a little icon when you're in Frog's Cove of where you are. So at least you know where you are in relation to what's going on. And you're like, okay, I need to get to this point. So there's gonna be like a drop off down here, and you can literally follow it like bit for bit yeah. yeah and it's well, super just, helpful just imagining like me with an old like game informer yeah. or something that like has like i don't know some level walkthrough in it and i'm right. like sitting playing playstation 2 and like looking over at my yep. at a magazine and, and that's totally what it's like um because the gameplay is very simple it's sword and shield um it, it does work off the stamina um so rolling around and stuff uses up stamina so it's so it's a, a dark souls game it's a little soulsy um, when, when you die, you, um, respawn from the last statue. Uh, so like I said, it's, it, it does take some from that souls born, um, very light. It's instead of a souls like, like there's a lot of games that are souls likes. It's souls a soul. Light. It's a soul light, just like death store was. Um, but, uh, there, there's other options too. There's like different types of magic that you can cast and like different types of the bombs you can throw out. So you have other options of combat than just your sword and shield. Um, and so I liked that I had that diversity because I feel like in Death Store I really only had like one option. It was just like daggers and uh, and sh- shoot out my magic beam and then daggers and magic. Yeah, I'll have to try to find where I can play this, dog. Yeah, Tunic, a lot of fun. Um, I'm giving it an 88 out of 100, the Grady 88. Um, that's the same exact raving I gave Hyperlife Drifter. I will say HLD is better overall just simply for the fact that you will not get lost. It's a it's a four quadrant map. It's north, south, east, west, and you just ride it out. and And I think I like that simplicity a little bit over how confusing it can be because the map is really big in Tunic for like it, it's going to be like a it is a much longer game than Hyperlight Drifter. It's it's going to be closer to you know nineteen eighteen hours uh, compared to like Hyperlight Drifter's like eight hours. Um. But because of that, there's a lot of sprawling paths, a lot of hidden things, and a lot of stuff that just was there the whole time and you didn't know it. And that's kind of the cool thing about the game, but again, it can also be the downfall. Nice, dude. What do you got for me, bro? Um, I'm bringing up a quick five-minute classic for the sake of content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I believe it's new to 2021. Yeah, last year's release. Last year's release. This is Mario Party Superstars, baby. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Super Mario Party, the 2017 Mario Party Switch release. Garbage. Uh, every every other Switch after the GameCube is garbage. Every other Mario Party. Mario Party after the GameCube. After the GameCube is garbage. So, like, Mario Party 7 was the last good Mario Party you're saying? Yep. I'll, I'll go on record until um, the year of our Lord 2021 when he mm-hmm. released uh, Super Mar- uh, Mario Party S- Superstars there to we us. Go. Get okay. that out. No more buddy, no more goofy, uh, no, oh, no more the allies, Yeah, no more goofy allies that you uh, <laughs> string around with you, little 
little Klingons. Special dice. No more idiotic special dice where there's people that are just purely unplayable. <laughs> yeah, unplayable or broken. Yeah, or yeah. What is it? Booze dice has three zeros on it or something. <laughs> uh, like, come on. Donkey Kong has two tens. <laughs> like, come on, dude. That's that's not. What are we playing? We got regular six sided die. Mm-hmm. Classic. Um, we have classic maps. Mm-hmm. We have uh, in every uh single mini game ever create ever created all on one map. Hmm. So you can play. Maybe you'll play something from sixty four. Maybe you'll play something from the Wii. Um, maybe you'll play something that has motion controls. Maybe you won't play something that has motion controls. Um, all of the mini games are there, and you can uh filter them so if you just want to play on older mini games or you just want to play on new ones it's all there for you um so it's like smash Bros. ultimate like they're all here it's all they're all here it's all here um it is i I am missing uh a few there's no da bones Mm -hmm. there's no um hammer bro you're saying like characters as far as characters i got you i want you said da bones you mean dry bones dry bones yeah dim bones dim bones okay He's always been dim bones. That's um, fine. <laughs> I miss Hammer, bro. The backwards hammer and the helmet is very classic. Um, but now we're we're playing a full uh, Wario gameplay every every single time. It doesn't matter now, though, does it? You you play any character, they're all they're all the same. They're all the same. Yeah, it's just Avatar. But um, a lot of choices, I guess. Yeah, I like I like Mario Kart where a the characters matter, but b also there's like different costumes for characters. Like I get. I get Peach in her um, like motorbike oh, like, yeah, 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 speeder yeah. outfit, and like that's like the top tier Nintendo. Yeah, or you know, you get a um, Wario might be wearing a, a leather jacket, right? Some something a little, just a little flavor, right? Just a little flair would go a long way for um, my my party adventure. I will say, if this game's lacking anything, it's a little flavor. Okay. Um, there's, I want to say there's like five maps. Okay. Um, but really, three of them are only worth playing. Um, that would be uh, I don't know. It's it it's Boo's Mansion. Okay. Um, it, Princess Peach's Cake. Okay. Um, which is a very classic one that is a fan favorite, and then also um, this I want to say Bowser's Satellite, Space okay. Satellite or Space Station, something like that. Um, those are the only maps worth playing. They're, uh, their cycles are not, um, they're both easy to avoid and will destroy you. Like will destroy your game. Like as far as um, how the map plays. Spaceland. Spaceland. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. So um, clearly, my my favorite is gonna be um. Boo's Haunted Garden Mansion, whatever it's called. Horrorland. Horrorland. Might as well be Boo's Garden. Fair. Um, it's literally like you're walking around his front yard. Interesting. Um, but the the best part of this map is that there's a day and night cycle. Um, only during the night can you see ghosts. And um there's a single route that I uh take. So <laughs> if, if if you're playing with me, I'm a monster on this map for sure. Because your pathing is OP. My pathing is OP. There's just a top loop. There's just a loop at the top of the map that I'll I'll stick to. Mm-hmm. Um. So what what it is basically on one side of the loop, I can change the day or night cycle mm-hmm. on whether ghosts can be up or not. Mm-hmm. 
um, that's my advantage because on the other end of the loop, if I time it right and the ghosts are up, um, I find Boo. And Boo uh, will uh, take coins from a random person for free. Or if you pay him 50 coins, he will take a star. So do I don't even need to hunt the star. Mm. All I do is change it to night and go find Boo. And uh, steal stars. And just, just yoink stars. Yeah. So, like, you can't, if you have less stars than me, then you can't win. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what do I have to play mini games? Barely. Fair. Do I have to move around spaces? Uh, hardly. <laughs> so, you're just exploiting the game, basically? I'm just exploiting the game. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I've lost once since I've had it. I do honestly think I've lost one time. <laughs> and, and that was, that was on a, like a 15 minute game. So, it's like, could I, could you say I could get set up? Not really. Sounds like we need to play, bro. I haven't, I've not played this news version. I'm a Mario Party fan. I do have Super Mario Party. To my dismay, those boards are tiny. I feel like you go through the board really quickly. And I'm just, I just looked at the maps and these boards are a lot bigger. Spaceland is massive. Yeah, a lot bigger. So, like, when you want a big, long game, you can play Spaceland. Spaceland is for sure massive. Yeah. Cake, the Peach's Cake looks a little small, but yeah, Spaceland. It, it's small, but it's, it, the idea of it is that it's a quick loop. Right. It's one quick loop. Um, Horrorland, you have, uh, there's, there's some interesting spots in Horrorland. It, it is like a, a small loop and then a big loop. It, it's kind of favorable to have a lot of keys and try to use a lot of back doors. That's why I like Horrorland too. And you can play, you can play this one online. So technically if I owned the game, we could just play remotely. Yeah, we could play Buds. Um, it, it does have a decent, uh, a mini game player. Like if you, like uh, every, uh, Mario Party, uh, as of of recently, just has a mini game player where you can roll through mini games, and not have to deal with being on a board. Interesting. Um. Yeah. I'll. I mean, if you're Wario, bro, I might as well play Waluigi. Be brothers, dude. Yeah, you could be my um, chunky little bro. Chunky little bro. That's how it works. Um. Overall, this is a ninety-two. I don't know why everyone doesn't own this version of Mario Party. Everyone should own this version of Mario Party. Masterpiece, huh? Definitively the best version. Classic maps, uh, regular dice, and all of the mini games. On their Nintendo website, it has Birdo listed as a jovial character who exudes a mysterious charm. Mysterious <laughs> charm or uh, absolute um, atrocity. Okay. Bert, Birdo is a is a freak mutant. Yes, yes, a crime against humanity. Absolutely. Uh, cut for censored for reasons. Ninety seven out of one hundred. Great game. You already gave your rating. We're moving on. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you about a game. A game that you might like because of one element. Ready? It's. We've, we've played deck builders before, right? You're familiar with deck builders? I'm familiar. So you're building your deck. What if I told you there's a game where your deck is not being built? Instead, you're... It's built for you. I was... I miss? <laughs> I, I was going to say something and then you just interrupted me. Instead, it's a bag builder. Bag builder. Okay. So you're buying things... To put into your bag to be placed onto your board, so you're drawing at random into you're digging you're digging your grubby little mitts into your bag, 
pulling out one of these little chips and you're putting on your board. Kind of cool, huh? <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of deck builders. I feel like they make my brain hurt, but you know, I'm always like halfway through the game, like I don't even know how I'm supposed to win, but I'm doing the thing. Okay. I'm making turns. So this bag building bonkers bonzo balooey is called Quacks of Quedlinburg. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yep. And the idea is you're a quack who is a like wizard, witch, warlock, sorcerer, apprentice, and you are spewing a cauldron. You're making a potion. And so you are drawing from your bag, putting into like this spiral, like your board is like a big spiral, but it's also a big cauldron. It's a big spiral. And you keep on placing more and more bags, or sorry, more and more tokens. And these tokens are like ingredients essentially for your potion. Um, it's a push your luck game because everybody starts off with these cherry bombs and they all have numerical values on them. And if the numerical value of cherry bombs reaches over seven, the number seven, over the number seven, then your potion explodes. Um, essentially, you are trying to progress the furthest because the further you progress onto your little spiral is the more victory points you earn and also the more coins you have to buy at the end of the, every round. And it's played over like a course of like nine rounds and it's simultaneous action. So everybody is building out their potion at the same time, trying not to explode it. You don't want to explode your pot because if you explode your pot, it means you either have to take the victory points or you take the gold to buy to add to it. So mm-hmm. either you can't buy or you can't get victory points. So it's like up to you if your potion explodes. So you're a little bit punished if you go over. And so that's the most thrilling part of the game is like, oh, what am I going to draw next? What's next? What's left? You're kind of counting what tiles are left in your bag. You're like three of your fingers. Like, What's left? What can I draw? How many more do I have until I get my, this cherry bomb that's going to explode? Because everybody starts mm-hmm. off with enough cherry bombs to explode. But if you add more stuff and more stuff, you're like, oh, this is so good. What's what's going to come out next? Oh, this stacks with this because each one of these little tiles has the different like little conditions and like there's like some rubies that do different things. You're like, oh, this is cool and get this and extra victory points, and it's a very rewarding loop that's fun because simultaneous action means everybody's happening at the same time and you hear like, oh crap, and it makes for oh a, crud, oh Jimmy Christmas, shoot, oh that was pretty good, but now let me try. <laughs> Uh, now I see the appeal. I see where you're going with a deck builder where you don't have to think. You're you're drawing right. at random. Right. You're trying to you're trying to build something greater without the uh with without the stress of like, oh, should I take this one over this right. one? Should I buy this over that? I need to save money and buy this. And and the nice part is the money expires at the end of the round. So you just use up all the gold easy and then peasy, at the, at the next round you just have zero. And then you only get as much gold as far as you go on the, the little tracker and you only get as many victory points as you go to the little tracker. And the great thing about this game is you don't want to start off with a lead. Very, uh, I, I love that economy style, if I do say so myself. If you start off with a lead in this game, uh, karma will be against you. And you will, you will your potion's going to explode, and you will not be able to get the same victory points you had at the beginning. Like, this game, it's very fair, very balanced in the way that anybody has a chance to win. Anybody can come back. Because... You never know when that potion is going to explode on somebody. It's all, it's all random. It's never all luck. You know when that potion is going to pop. But it's also, it's also press your luck. Because if you're, if you're the one who's willing to press it just one more, 
ooh, that could be the difference between five or six extra victory points that could like shoot you ahead because I have this one certain token. It's the black token. It's like a skull of like a bird. It is great because when you play it, depending on what number is on it, that's how many tokens you get to pull out of your bag and then decide which one you want to place next. So it takes the randomness out. Once as soon as I get one of those, I'm like, ooh, that means I'm not drawing another cherry bomb because you can may place it. So if you drew, let's say that it has four on it, I get to take four tokens out of my bag. And if they're all cherry bombs, I can put them all back. doesn't matter. That's my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card Mm -hmm. Uh, condition is look at the top of your deck and pick one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Classic. Classic deck builder turned bag builder. In the uh, bag, baby. Steph really likes it, uh, so we're probably going to pick it. We don't own it right now. Uh, one of our good family friends, the bidders, brought it over. Had a little game night. Um, so I, I, I recommend it. I'm going to give it an 87. I think it's a great game. I think there is absolutely the element of randomness. It's pretty it's, good for a game. It's it's fairly simple. Like I said, you're either you're either choosing to draw in place or you're not. And then there's just like it's just like after that it's a resolve. Once you're done placing, you just resolve the where where you placed, and it's fun. There's a little bit of engine building based off of how you build your bag, and it makes for a good good time. I think it's I think it's a great game. It's no wonder it won the Spiel de Jahr back in like 2019. Spiel de Jahr. Yeah, that's the uh, SS Exis uh, Germany. That's like the, that's like the best picture for board games, basically. Fair enough. But it's usually not like a board game that's like. A French art film, you know what I mean? That's like super, like <laughs> that's like four hours long. It's you know? like a, it's based off of what people liked. And yes, played. yes, yes. <laughs> no. Not not like a five XX um, board game that will take eight hours because it's like a campaign war, like air control game. That's cool, man. All right, what do you got for me, bro? Um, we just played a a nice tight forty five minute round of Azure. Azul. Azure. Stained glass of Centra. That's the <laughs> that's the version of the game we played. Um, you in this game you play as little little crucible men, <laughs> and you have these uh, glaciers. Yeah, the same thing. Okay, go on. Um, basically, these men make glass for this monastery. You each have a six towered monastery in front of you, five or six. I think it's uh, eight columns. Eight columns, um, and basically they're made up of different colors of glass. There's four colors? Five colors. Five colors. Uh, there's clear, orange, pink, blue. Green? Yellow? Green? Yellow. Um, and basically your goal is to um, build up your towers, score as many points as possible, and not break glass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anything you break is minus your total score. Um, if you break over, you know, a certain amount of glass, it's minus from your points immediately. Um, big H dog found that out the hard way. Yep. Yep. If you, if you go to the bottom of the broken glass tracker, you just restart at the top and just deduct points immediately. And deduct points immediately. Um, each round has a bonus color. So if you have a uh, three of that, uh, you know, color of glass, you get an extra point. So basically you have these uh, five factories in front of you and they're all uh, filled with four pieces of glass all at random. Um, you have your little uh, glazier man, crucible man, little tiny character that uh, you move around on your board um, from left to right. Um, you can only take uh, the total amount of color either in that 
uh, factory or in the uh, grab bag pile. So whatever is left out of the factory goes in this uh, scraps pile. And uh, you're building only on the right of your glacier. Um, so the only two moves you can do is either build uh, on your tower or move your glacier left. Um, because you can only uh, build on your right side or whatever tower um, you're currently standing on. Opinion? Opinions? Uh, it was a good game. I, I do like uh, just tip for tap. You go, I go. Uh, who's losing, who's winning. Is It's very easy to see while you're playing. Yeah, it's abstract strategy because you're just like placing down tiles. It's I mean it, it's it's a combination between both abstract strategy and tile placement. Um just because you kind of have to like think about what what's being it's very cutthroat, I, I would say. When I mean, it's yeah, played because, with a two-player mode. Yeah, I'm looking at my towers and what colors I need. I'm looking at factories what colors are available, and I'm also looking at his board and seeing what colors he needs. So uh, you know, you get towards the end of the round, there's not a lot of glass to spare. And whatever they grab that's basically extra or they can't place is broken glass on their hands. Um, so, you know, that end of the round when there's two colors left, you, you're not friends. You're, 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 you might be working on the same uh, monastery, but, you know, we're two walls, walls separating us, brother. A couple of expletives may have been uh, muttered under the breath. I can, I can see... Uh, two very old angry men playing chess in the park with this game, you know, just hating each other for 15, 20 minutes. And then they go walk and take the train home together. That is a very German thing to do. I, I, I saw that in Germany. Um, but overall, um, I, we both stated this, the best part of the game is the, uh, glass tiles. They mm-hmm. look like, uh, either gummy or like a, a sucker candy. Right. Is some type of, uh, uh, what's it called? A, a, like juicy, a lifesaver, lifesaver, juicy fruit. Uh, Jolly Rancher. Jolly Rancher. Yeah, something around that realm, and it's like, especially when they're they're big and sprawled out in a pile, you clearly just want to put them in your mouth. That's what they're there for is to put in your mouth. Yeah, maybe you suck on them for some flavor. Um, but you also mentioned this: if if they were little cardboard tiles, this game wouldn't be good or fun. Um. It's the thickness, it's the beauty, it's the, I mean, I've seen the other version of Zool, like the original version is just like these plastic pieces painted on the top. Uh-huh. It's just like white plastic pieces with like this print painted on the top. And I'm just like, that's fine. The paint, the paintings are not very interesting, but like for some reason, these like little translucent, but still colored like plastic pieces, these chunky little pieces yeah. just are very satisfying. E- place. Each color has its own little pattern in the center. Printed in. Like, yeah. It's all, it's all very nice and very tactile friendly. Um, yeah. Overall, it's a 75 game. It's a good game. I don't know if I exactly want to own it or um, my brother here who owns it. I don't know if I'm going to ask to pull it out every time I come right. over, but still I had fun with the game. It's a fun game to play. Um, once I got the swing of it, I'm, was, I, was, I was making moves and making people hurt, and it's, it, it, it's fun. Breaking some glass, cracking some, cracking some towers, you know, putting some points on the board. Yeah, I hear that. On my top 75 board games of all time, I have it at number 39. So it's, it is in that like very good to nearly great range for me too. So I, I would I put it right around the 79, probably 78. I think it's a, a excellent what it does. Something you pull out every night? Maybe. No. Every other night? <laughs> every other week. Every, every other, week. other week. Every other week.
All right. In the world of comic books, I had to fill time while I was at work. Um, I was in the uh, what we call the I.O. room, which is just an office where you um, are on the you do X-ray. However, if you're a supervisor in that room, you do not do X-ray. You sit on a computer and typically you build out your board, meaning you prepare for the next day. Um, but if I, I'm not doing that quite yet, then I have nothing to do other than like work on some online classes, online learning center, whatever. I, I was struggling to find something to do. My emails were all res- like I checked them, sent them. I had to do something. My phone was dying. Couldn't be on it anymore. So I decided, let me find some web comics. So I, I looked through Dilbert, uh, read some Dilbert ones. Those, hey, Dilbert holds up. Not bad. Dilbert's good. I, I'm a fan of Dilbert. I, I, I didn't think I was. Not bad. Um, but what I did find after looking up like top uh, 100 web comics, I found a website called Sunday Comics. S-U-N-D-A-E Comics. Mm. And Sunday Comics is a guy. I think his name's Nathan. Um, maybe Kyle. Who knows? Who could who could say? George, um, Jerry, and Aaron. He is a uh, he does these little short comic uh, in the style of Dilbert. You know that they're like Sunday comic bite size. They're not telling an overall arching story. Usually, they're just like little bits that he has that are sometimes reoccurring. Sunday comics, if you will. If you would be so humored. Um, S-U-N-D-A-Y comics, if you will. If you will be so humored, I got through every single one of them i read every single one because he started back in 2019 and he releases like one a week so i just crazy i just went through every single one of them just read them just all during a shift and there are some bangers in there he's got some really funny bits um he's got some like he's got like a fake justice league um he's got like uh, a funny bit where this it's playing out like a crime noir like movie and then this guy saying funny things about like spaghetti and meatballs and then it, the last panel is like, sh- like, shut up. I'm trying to uh, see how this movie resolves while simultaneously looking up a recipe for what I'm going to cook tonight. That's very, that's extremely relatable. Right. And uh, it, there's just, a, this guy's got a good mind. He's, his art style is very, very entertaining. I like the comic strip style. I don't feel like I get enough of that. Um, my comic books are a lot of fun and I love it's reading a, comics. It's a lost art. It is a lost if art. If I might say so myself. Comic strips are punchy they get to the point um they can be beautiful pieces of art on their own right they can be super simple uh plug and play garfield comics where it's literally just a blue background and two characters that have been drawn a million times over like anyone can create a garfield character which i might say you need to look up uh garfield with without garfield it is great because it's just john looking like a lunatic like just reacting to like the air and they just they just oh, do they, they just, just do they just cut Garfield out yeah they just cut him out so it's all the same panels but it's just he's not there and it's like immediately John becomes Ross from Friends without a laugh track and he's just a psychopath and it's great yeah. that just uh, do you know who Meat Canyon is no um, he did he's a cartoonist basically and he makes animations um, but he did a did one for Blues Clues um, where uh, sorry I forget his name his name um, Steve, um, Steve from Blues Clues is basically just an insane guy that um, uh, drove himself uh, with anxiety and depression, and he uh, basically creates the Blues Clues world around him. And he's, and it ends with him just like kind of yelling at his dog. Doesn't really end that way, but for the sake of spoilers, it, he's in a fictional world 
And that's that seems like along the same lines. Um, Sunday Comics has a lot of good like uh, animal based humor, just around like talking animals, um, playing as like different like mobsters and different characters mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. And I think that's fun. He's got like a few different art styles he likes. Currently, he's doing a he's doing a story based one based upon this witch that got turned into got traded with a crow by like a, like a mother Gothel type. So he's kind of doing a story based one right now, but uh, overall great style. Great, uh, great humor. Real, real quick, easy read. I, I'm going to give Sunday comics an 80. I think it's just great. Just flat out. Great. A lot, a lot of hits, very yeah, few misses. I like stuff like this where it's very easy to read. No investment. You pick it up and you play it. Every, anything that's like that TVs, movies, anime. I'm, I'm in. Absolutely. In like Flynn. In like it's a win. Some may say this was uh, prophesized months ago. Some might say. Dare even I say maybe six months ago. Dare you may say. Um, I played a little game called Witcher Three: The Hunt, and shortly thereafter, you sent me a Kickstarter. Real time wasters will know this story. <laughs> it was a Kickstarter for a comic, The Witcher Ronin. Which, in fact, is not a comic, but rather a manga-inspired comic, probably. Um, yes, you can say more manga-related, definitely. The, uh, the book is facing the wrong way, um, if I do say so myself. Uncultured swines. <laughs> Where you can't pin a book on the other side. I'll, I'll digress because, uh, uh, frankly, they sent me a bunch of stuff. Like, I, it, like you've had before, this... This problem of bringing up Kickstarter items on to the podcast is like, oh, you guys, you guys probably won't be able to get this stuff. It's inaccessible, unfortunately. Um, so I was talking about the meat. Um, I took a pretty basic package, and I still got a lot of stuff. All I, all I really wanted extra was a tote bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen this. It's a, it just has a nice panel of art. Um, it says Witcher Ronin. Classic. Um, it, it's gonna live in my car now. I'm probably gonna put garbage in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, maybe if it's free, I'll take it inside the grocery store and put vegetables in it. Um, it's a solid tote bag. Um, there's nothing to it besides a nice piece of artwork on it. They mm-hmm. sent me a full, like 12 by nine hardcover book of this massive. Um, and I've just left it in the sleeve, um, because it's very pretty. And I, I think it'd look good, uh, better on my bookshelf than me opening it up and reading it because they also sent me a little mini uh six by four of it wow so you have two copies of this There's two copies of it a, like a, a paperback six by four pocketbook basically right um, and did you know you you backed the where you were getting two different n- no i didn't hard, know i was getting hard, hard copy and soft I thought, copy i thought i was gonna get a single uh soft cover like uh graphic novel-esque um i i did know that it was uh one full uh comic series chapter mm-hmm. however you want to describe it and three mini chapters i didn't know that um just the way that I, it came with two copies i was i was more than stoked um on that it also gave me uh those full like 12 by 8 art prints i think i got three of those interesting and then six or so uh postcard full arts full color um 
concept arts. And are you, is that hanging anywhere? Any of that hanging anywhere? I'll put it up eventually. Um, I might just display one of each. I don't want to like build a shrine or anything. Um, <laughs> but it, it is very cool. I mean, I've, it, there's only been a few other things like games that I've backed on Kickstarter that I've just never downloaded or no, <laughs> or, you know, whatever BS, I, I, I don't know what I've backed on Kickstarter. It's, it's never been more than five or 10 bucks. That's the reason. So um, this is, this is probably, this is my biggest investment. I think it was like 45 bucks. Interesting. Um, but still that's a lot of value for 45 bucks. Yeah. No, Kickstarter has good value, especially that was a incredibly backed Kickstarter. And so they had a lot of extra huge. funds. Yeah. So instead they just put it on like free stuff for the backers, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I think the other ones came with like pins or full posters. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I see figures online, but I don't know if that came with the Kickstarter or if those are separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like actual meat and reading, um, it's, it's pretty freaking cool, dude. Um, the story is very basic. It's a very, uh, classic witcher tale of Geralt looking for siri classic uh, it's it's the classic witcher story there's no others um but in <laughs> turn uh, it, it's still very uh closely related into a uh, witcher theme of that you know humans are more garbage than these garbage monsters around us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um the walking dead yeah uh other than that it's uh Geralt is prophesized to go down this certain path to find Ciri. Um, he walks this path. There's a lot of monsters in it. Each monster sort of holds a clue of the next person to go to to find Ciri. Um, and from there, you just follow him. It, it leaves itself on a, a bit of a cliffhanger, uh, unfortunate, which means I, I got to you know, invest into the next one whenever that is. Interesting. So they got you hooked now. Uh, big hooked. Um the for that issue the main issue the art style is very uh classic if you look at the uh, kickstarter you can see it it's all over it um it's pretty basic your basic uh dark horse style art um nothing too crazy just the setting itself is instead of uh fantasy it's uh a japanese samurai I like that a lot. That's that's the whole reason I was even interested. And I didn't back it because you had it, so I'll be reading it someday. Um, I would love to lend it to you after my brother finishes reading it. Yeah, borrow it to me. Um, if he hasn't picked it up off the table yet, I'm going to snatch it right back and throw it to you. Swap! Um, but also, the back three mini-issues were also very fun. Um, there's one... I mean, I don't care about spoiling these. They're They're literally non-stories um uh one of them with yennefer they they uh attend a, a fox wedding my girl yen my girl yen i'm i'm, ta- I'm talking full weeb yen i think she i'm sure she looks more asian now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's great and pretty it's a it's nice to see uh and get a quick little comic of Geralt and yen you know chumming it up hamming it up classic being buds instead of you know fighting and like killing people who needs um, it the second one is pretty classic as well this was this is the the one that only art style i didn't like um it was very like a, a, it, it, i think it leaned more like hellboy 
but without the fancy colors of Hellboy. It was just gray, so it just came off uh, washed over. Um, the proportions and the bodies and the faces were very distorted, and I didn't like it. And it 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 was just Geralt and Siri like training together. It wasn't anything fancy. Um, number three though was is is probably my, uh, yeah. I mean it's it's one of the best parts of the book. Uh, maybe second best behind the uh, the uh, main chapter. Um, but it's Vesemir and Geralt just you know full berserk mode. It's a full berserk manga at the at the back end of this, and it's crazy and it's gory and uh you know. As as far as much as a a samurai witcher can, he's he's cutting through people, dog. He's straight up cutting, slicing, slicing and dicing. Hmm. Um. So I mean, if there's a place you can get your hand on this, uh, I I talked myself up into an eighty-eight. Nice. Honestly, uh, it, it it's gonna be on my desk for a while, just going back and forth to it, and hopefully I can get a nice uh, nice little uh, bookshelf to put the the big issue on. The father-son podcasting microphone. It just has to get you through three awkward years before you can both start drinking together. All right, time to move on to podcasts here. Um, this is a podcast I discovered uh, because it was featured, I think, on 20,000 Hertz. It's called Gameplay. And Gameplay is like an Australian mate who interviews different people, but he does, he does like deep dives into like weird sections of like video games. And he's got a really good voice. His editing style is fantastic. It started, I think, back in 2019. He's already uh, accumulated. Uh, sorry, it started back in, the, in episode one was September 30, 2020. It wasn't even that old. And it's a masterclass show. Um, he did an episode on NBA Jam. Um, and oh. he had a follow-up oh. one interviewing the uh, guy who says Boom Shakalaka, Tim uh, Kurtzrow. Um, they got an episode all about photo mode like what it what it kind of means and like interviews different people and um episode on chiptune uh the guy who voices master chief uh i think the standout has to be the untitled goose game um they had one about the dynamic uh soundtrack of untitled goose game and how the game reacts to you moving around doing goofy stuff and like how that came to be why it's like that and it's really really good um a good episode about animal crossing music and one good one about Firewatch that I listened to recently. Um, overall, it's just a really simple, like gaming. I almost want to say like docupod, but in a, a little bit more than that. Yeah, it, you're getting a little bit more meat. Yeah, it's it's niche. It's like a niche section. There's a lot of episodes I haven't heard things that like about the Matrix Online, or if um, there's one about Golf Club Wasteland, which I just never played, but I'm would be interested in like that um, speedrun silence. Um, I find it endlessly interesting. Super well made. Uh, I'm going to give gameplay a uh, a thick boy right now. I'm going to give it the old 93. I think it's a masterpiece of the podcast. If you like video games at all, I promise you, you will like gameplay because it is a little love letter to that medium that we love a little. Nice, dude. What do you got for me, bro? Um, you gave this one to me. Um, I did think, I now? I, I thank you, uh, dearly, um, because mm-hmm. I am, I am a fan. I'm a previous fan. I didn't know this existed, and I'm glad I do now because it's a 
now also infected my uh my Twitch time. Ooh. My my Twitch viewership. Oy. Um but this is Stabby Solves Your Problems mm-hmm. podcast. Um like I stated earlier, it it does also exist uh in a live form on Twitch. Right. Um, but uh primarily I listen through it through Pocket Casts, um, where the episodes are just cut up and edited down. Um, and, I mean, as far as he doesn't, it, 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 it's an interactive show. Um, it's a call-in show. Uh, I don't know how many times. I think the only other call-in show was Apology Line. The Therapy Gecko one? Therapy Gecko. Um, the, did we have Therapy Gecko on? Yes, you featured it. I'm the only one to bring up call-in podcasts <laughs> you you do I like guess, your, i guess it's my genre that's why i send it to you i was like oh dear i like Colin. i like i like i didn't i didn't know that about myself i've i'm the only one to bring up po- Colin podcast hey there you go do you do you like julian smith the the guy who did uh youtube videos hot, hot kool-aid that guy he, does he have a Colin podcast i guess he, i gotta listen to that too he just started it like last week i'm i'm into it yeah i'm going in but i, I think the stavi is instantly better because he's Kind of unfiltered and unhinged. Um, that yeah, that's probably the main reason. Uh, like I said, I'm a previous fan of him. He's a, a stand up comedian. Stand up comedian of the East Coast. He has another podcast that's uh, a little bit more uh, chatty. It's kind of just a three three guy buddy podcast, and they talk mm-hmm. about um, everything under the sun called Cumtown. Oh, um, I forgot he was in Cumtown. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's where I originally know him from, and mm. then you know, sort of following his stand up. Obviously, I can't. Uh, see shows on the east coast but um now this is a new way to enjoy his comedy or his brand of comedy which is um yeah grotesque uh edgy um overall sexual usually because i mean if you're gonna call into a show you're gonna talk about something sexual um you don't have to i don't know if that's a you Uh, have to (laughs) sorry i meant that that you're gonna get callers who are going to talk about something sexual. yes um but but at least uh, over the episodes i have there's maybe two or three sexual calls and the other calls five or six other calls are relationship calls and, yeah uh, overall just you know advice uh, yeah overall advice of relationship advice um coming from probably the person you don't want advice from stabby mm-hmm. uh, uh but at least through all of that, there is some very uh, deranged, freakish people out there who, mm-hmm. um, by all means, shouldn't own a phone or be on the internet. <laughs> and uh, luckily, they found um, this podcast to call into. Um, so, Stavi solves your problems. Uh, fun comedian guy. What what rating would you give this little pod? It's a seventy six. Okay, it's a great show. Mm. Um, I, I 80, 80 is the, we did a such 80 is the great threshold so i'm gonna need yeah. you i'm gonna need you to say very good show it's a very good show <laughs> um it, it's turned into something i just like kind of check if he's on twitch right right um maybe i'll watch it passively um if it's live uh if i don't have anything to listen to during the dishes or watch during the dishes mm, it's mm. it's midway through the list to check um but still very funny if you're like it, it, it is one of those that like I'll out loud laugh while I'm listening to it. So it's hard to listen to like at work when I'm like sitting quietly, like just typing. Um, also just kind of overall gross to listen to at work. I bet. Um, but other than that, very funny. I'm um, very compelling. 
I I I guess recommend me more Colin shows. I need them. Um, Attack of the Show is my dishes show that I watch. Nice. In case you guys were wondering. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. All right, in the world of music, I um, found something that was made for me. Um, I sent it to you. I don't know if you listened to it. It is uh, the, my my favorite podcast of all time, The Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gatz. Their shipping container, um, meaning the, the people that they record with, like all the other producers, uh, made a musical, a album musical, about the uh, 2021 NFL season, essentially around the Super Bowl. Did you get a listen to any of it? I have not. Oh, you were in for a treat. This musical is impeccable. I listened to it, and I cannot help but see the theater performance. That doesn't exist. I, I see it in my head so clearly. I want to be a part of it. I want to... I, want, I, I don't even want to be acting. I just want to be, like, the production designer who, like, helps come up with it. Because I have so many ideas for what they could do. And it's so... The music is so brilliant. It's so funny because when you say... Uh, Dan Lebetard show made a musical, I immediately be like, so this is going to be fully produced like within the next four years. I mean, it, I mean the, the strength and range of the Dan Lebetard show is a huge and vast. Absolutely. So when you say like, Hey, they made, they writ, they wrote and uh, recorded a musical. I'm like, easily it could be done in just a few years. They just got to find the right people. Who want to put their time into it? So that's, that's utterly hilarious to me, to be honest. They worked with a guy named J.T. Daly, who is a uh, Grammy Award-winning like composer, and they basically threw this all together in like the series of I think three weeks, and <laughs> and it is every single song has its own like niche within the musical genre. It has its own like tropes it's hitting on. It feels a hundred percent like an authentic musical. It has like a background chorus. It has so many different parts. I, could, I see the choreography as it goes on. Even you saying that, like they threw it together in three weeks is a musical trope, like in the yeah. communities. Like, of course, every single person like is a ground up, a gritty music writer and they wrote a musical in just a, a short amount right. of time. Um, so I'm going to show you uh, Take Me There. It features um, one of the newest additions to the show. Her name is Jessica Smetana and she... Kills it. Instead of just shotgunning beers and betting the Rams. Oh, tell me. You got more reasons. You got more reasons. So that was Take Me There by the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gods. What'd you think of it? Um, the polish is there, man. I yeah. like you said, I'm just cl- I'm just closing my eyes and I'm I'm sitting in a theater chair mm-hmm. and I I, f- I feel a bunch of people around around me singing and it's 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 there. Magical. Like it's, it it's pretty magical. I, I don't have any connection to any other musical. Right. I don't have any physical connection to like that, to anything 
else in that genre. Yeah, it's just crazy because most times you listen to musicals, they do argue this, and you're like, okay, I can see this being this, seeing this being this, but this is just a completely fabricated fake musical, and it's like incredible that it's so well polished. Well, yeah, it's like when have and never in my life would I be like a build a build this like seeing a musical built ground up, you know what I mean, or even just a a, a musical album released like a new musical album released in my time that I cared about. So, oh yeah, why not make this a a fancy show? So this this specific um, album uh, is like a love letter to fans. They do uh, they have a, a song um, called "Back in My Day," which is a recurring segment that Greg Cody does, and so it kind of has like an old shoot showtimey type theme. Um, there's one where Dan Levitard starts off the entire musical, and it's "Nothing Stops Football," where he talks about how controversial football is and like how like CTE and like drug rings and blackballing, and then he all kind of highlights it with like, "Ooh, but Red Zone Channel." Like, like, <laughs> just like all of it doesn't matter because it's such like right. an entertaining product. Um, and so it's like, it's got like a fun, like there's comedy built into it. Like, it, I mean, that, I would say that would be the only thing like holding it back is like, I'm, I watch the show and then I also watch football. So like, that's why yeah. it's funny to me. Right. Right. Whereas like, I, I can imagine that not being funny to the general musical audience right there's definitely there's definitely a market for um you know who this is supposed to be for um but i i it is just the fact that it exists and the fact that they were able to do this it's it's so great they have a song called goat in reference to tom brady and it's funny it was like after he retired they like produced it so now he's like unretired and it's like (laughs) it's like his story isn't quite finished yet so it's (laughs) they even commented on that they're like tom tom listened to the to the musical and he's like uh nah i gotta make these guys look bad (laughs) yeah well also it'd be really funny to watch the musical and be like and he didn't retire right right and and i think the best part about the show the whole show is that the voices are are modular you could just plug and play anyone who's like in the industry you know yeah it's not a big deal to get people to play these parts because a lot of it is auto-tuned because these are not actual singers performing it these are just you know pundits of uh of sports you know but uh, I'm going to give um, the actual name of it. It's called The Big Game, original musical <laughs> event soundtrack. That's that's like, that's how it would be billed as The Big Game. Oh, um, and that's I'm, so funny. I'm going to give uh, The Big Game a 94 out of 100. Like I said, I think it was like really built from the ground up for me. Uh, I think if it if it didn't have, if it had less auto-tune, no fault of their own, then I think it would it could be like a 95 range for me. I'm just realizing at some point, like, is is there going to be a time where I have to invest money to go see this somewhere? Is there is there a timeline? I'm gonna say yes. It's the one you're living in. I I wanted I want it to be this one. Yes, I and you. I'm definitely bringing you. <laughs> All right, what music you got for me, bro? Um, I'm bringing you something with a lot less polish. Mm-hmm. Um, something a little dirtier, a little grittier, a little uh from my uh, sphere of music. This is Gong Gong Gong. Phantom Rhythm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are a two-piece guitar and bass. That's um, all you need. Garage band in uh, Japan. Okay. What song are you going to be showing to me and the general audience at home, you listening? The people who are um, awaiting... People have spoken. The, awaiting your every um, need, awaiting your every call. The people have spoken, and they want to hear Ride Your Horse by Gong Gong Gong. Okay, let's hear Ride Your Horse by Gong Gong Gong. 
Ride your horse. Bye, gong, gong, gong. What a time to be alive. Um, very interesting duo. Um, that song specifically has one one bass and one acoustic guitar, like you said. Um, but the acoustic guitar is also playing the like percussion because it's simultaneously uh, getting its chords strung, but also slamming on the big hollow bass of the uh, acoustic. So this guy's like multitasking. And then the the yeah, electric or, bass is like uh, the rhythm section. It's very, very wild. Um, yeah. A lot of their music, a lot of this album is like that, where it's just um, chanty and marchy, um, has a, a big, like the, the bass just loops in that big, hard, aggressive rhythm. Um, they, they also have a sister album to this, which is all remixed by, um, I'm guessing, DJs or electronic music uh, makers um, that also fits very well playing side by side. Um, but uh, I don't know what I said earlier, um, but they're from Beijing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe uh, there's a confusion where I thought they were speaking Japanese. Who knows? <laughs> who, who's, who can say? Um, who can say? Who can say what they're saying to me? Um, all I know is it sounds cool and I like it. Um, they're pretty just a, a badass underground band playing in like uh, record shops and you know under bridges uh, doing you know weird pop-up concerts. They're they're very interesting towards me. Um, it, it's it's it is very much my niche of music. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely wild. Um, just just you know random eclectic sounds that form this like beautiful symphony of like uh looping music yeah a bit a bit of chaos you got a bit of there, there's chaos in the order there's uh, a marching and chanting it's mm-hmm. it's all very entertaining it, it it it's very reminiscent to me of like just like punk rock like i just want to make noise and get these things out and it, it it's sick it's dope Here's, if, if you're an underground guy you'd like this here's the answer to our question um, Ng is from Hong Kong and his native language is Cantonese. And so that's what we're hearing. Mm. And, uh, Frank is Canadian. Frank is Canadian. So it's, it's funny that they found Beijing to be their, their home and they're like, uh, where they grew in hype in, in the tunnels, you know? I mean, it, it, it's beautiful and it's dark and it's dirty. That's dirty. how I like it, dude. What, beautiful, dark and dirty. What rating does, uh, this album, which is called Phantom Rhythm, what what does this get for you? This is an eighty four. Nice. Um, it it's kind of short. I I, I think it was like eight songs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just I flip it on and I I rip through it and I'm like uh, yeah loop that, run it back, loop it. The whole all of their music is very uh looped and uh, I feel like it 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 uh cultivates one mood and I'm I'm fine to being in that mood for 30 minutes however long the runtime is Right on bro Uh moving on to the waste cap um I'm going to j- jump right into uh, last month you talked about an album Cold Water Burning Skin by Fie and I remember right after I heard the opening song, "You Samurai When the Summer Is Through, I was like, dang, you brought a better song than I did. Um, so I'm like, all right, let me listen to this album. And I, I liked it. Dang, you win. You win this episode. You did. Um, I liked it. Um, they have a, 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 a it's a, it's a sh- short 10, 10 album, 10 song album. I think that's, I'd say the perfect length is probably 12. I, think. I can, I can see where 12 can go over. Hmm. Um, I can see where ten can be too short. I think I, they, I think they did good with ten. 
Yeah, I think they're a good, good ten. Yeah. yeah, it's forty minutes. That's that's pretty good. Like I think forty five minutes, twelve twelve songs, three minutes a song. Um, I think I I really like the song "Do You Wanna" by Fie. Mm-hmm. Play play a second of it. Okay. I I mean I'm actually playing it for like the people at home right now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. do you want me to play it for you too? I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to refresh it. Yes. And that's all my friend, then you stopped caring. And then I started getting too conscious about stuff like what you're wearing. Mm, like what your hair is yes. like in your eyes. And now I hate goodbyes. Especially when millions of miles will part us by the So that was absolutely the, the standout of the album for me. It felt like a combination between maybe like No Name mixed with like um, the Mitski or Japanese Breakfast. Um, mixed with like some like Jamis Jameson, you know, it, it kind of has a breaching encompass, and that that song really is special. Unfortunately, a lot of the other songs, I think, just were a little too grating. Um, they just they are repeat, they're same loop heavy, over and over, but they're like core in, into heavy. a point it's where not like, like I'm looking for the bridge, not like a monotonous or, a break. Like, you know, I would love it's, for them to add another singer. Mm. Um, just. For the even if it's like another female singer that they mm-hmm. can maybe duet off of, a male jazz singer would be great. Right. Um, a rapper would be the, the bees. Yeah, that'd the, be crazy. A, a rapper would be an absolute bees. They they need to feature somebody to realize. Oh, maybe we could bring someone on. Yeah, feature a few rappers. Um, because Take- it, it it would just be perfect. It's a it's a heavy, big, thumping funk beat, and you put a rapper on there. Or even someone like Anderson Pack who can like right. uh, rewrite a chorus, a, a funky chorus, or rewrite the drums, um, something like that. Uh, <clears throat> something like that, and it would be, I, it would definitely bring their music up a notch for sure. I think the problem is it's Norway. We'll start there. Norwegian, I, yeah, that's I, the problem. They're Norwegian. I, I just don't think the rap scene is big in Norway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you I, know, yeah, they would have to branch out. And and the closest thing would be, you know, deeper in Europe, and there's not a lot of great rappers deeper in Europe. Let's get Dave. Or, but that's the other thing is like, those are drill rappers; those aren't funk rappers. Yeah. And so their flow would be pretty clash. Yeah. You'd have to go all the way to like the West Coast of the United States to find funk rappers, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I think someone like Topaz Jones would like kill on that just a feature or, or boldy james yeah would also just kill on that um yeah just a feature um but i'm I'm giving the album an 80 i think it's a great album i appreciate you bringing it to the table and like a couple of these songs are greater than the sum of its parts um but not a norway kid but I, I i do really like that they're, they're different it's a great album they had a new album that just dropped that was also really great fire waste cap absolute cooking fire uh, the band is called Fie, not not Fire. Oh, I'm just saying it's a that, it was a fire waste. Hey, that's a that's a little spelling bee joke for some of you uh, word crazy is folks. Is this thing on? Is anyone listening? Uh, by, by the way, if anyone wants a Wordle update, I've, it's been a hundred days of Wordle now. Um, Ugh, I'm, this sounds awful. I'm on a 47 day streak right now. Um, longest streak I've been on, so still going strong. Make uh, sure. Thanks. Thanks for all the supporters at home. Um, uh, D-Ray, what did you waste cap for us? Um, what did you 
What did you rate The Witcher season two? You know, I I, I pretty much rated both one and two as like a sum. Right, because you watched whole. it all at once. Yeah, because I watched it all at once. So it's like a conglomerate. Um, You know, I, and again, I think I think I really did like The Witcher. And so I just kind of all, all chunked it together. I think I ended up giving it like in like 84 or something like that. I think it was. That's it was, crazy, dog. Because it, it filled that Game of Thrones niche in my heart. But I. I, I yeah. I, I, I mean, think anybody were between 78 and 84 for me. This season's like a 68, bro. So season two, you were unimpressed with. Let's let's talk about it. Pretty unimpressed. Um, it it got worse as I found out more about it. Um, the best episode of season two is episode one. Is it's, it's it's a quick downhill roll after that. Is episode one the one where he goes to visit his friend at the house? Yes. Yeah, that episode's really good. But that episode's really good because it's like a, um, it's like a side arc. You know what I mean? It's like a sub story, and they just don't have enough of that. Mm, yeah. Side quest, uh, but, but that's the the thing that I uh, associate with The Witcher mm-hmm. is that he uh, he visits this person or is doing something for this person for money, mm-hmm. and a monster shows and throws a wrench in it, and then they solve it, and then the episode's done. Like that's how I associate with The Witcher. Um, the political drama stuff, the uh you know, search for, um, you know, Siri stuff, Siri training, like all that stuff is, is side quest for me. It's, it's like, it's like side fluff. It's filler for, yeah, no, Siri definitely gets way worse here. Um, that, that's like all I feel about this season. It's just filler. Mm. And then beyond that, when you Google season two is season two in the books and it's like nearly like 95% of it, um, was uh, crafted by the show writers. So when we're talking like major plot points that are nowhere to be found in the extensive beloved lore. So I, it, uh, someone had um, described it to me like this. If you, you know, if you don't know what the Witcher is, um, this is a pretty, this is a fine show, especially coming, like you said, off of, uh, Game of Thrones. Me. It's scratching that itch. I me. Um uh if you do know Game of Thrones, this is basically your Dragon Ball evolution. It's <laughs> it's so bad. Everything's made up and doesn't exist in this world and the characters are the opposite of each other. Um it, I pulled up the Rotten Tomatoes I'm showing it to you right now and I think it's it's ex- exemplifying exactly what he's saying. The critics' um, percentage is ninety-five percent of critics think it's fresh, and the audience score is sixty percent of critics think it's so fresh. funny. It's actually so funny. I'm at a sixty-eight with it. Um, yeah, the the critics who've never uh, read or played any Witcher games um, like it, and then the people who have consumed other Witcher media like this is bad. This is pretty bad. Yeah, it it definitely season two weaker than season one. Season one definitely has a cool like theme and like what it does with like timelines. But but season two loses me a little bit with the like you said the political drama of like the elves and like Nilfgaard, Nilfgaard, and, you know, and the the uh, witches and warlock brotherhood. Yeah, um, all all of that can all of that doesn't exist in the books. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's taking its own path. Um, a big hit for me was uh, Eskel. Um, he's a big part of, so Eskel as a character, um, in the show is brash, rude, 
and um especially rude to Siri. Mm. And then um maybe has one flashback scene where he's nice to Geralt. Um and then other than that he is I'm I'm going to spoil it because we're on the waste cap. Mm-hmm. This um, is spoiler time. Spoiler time. He's just killed, like fully killed, mm-hmm. um, because he's basically infected by a, a lesher and right turns into like a tree tenant. Um, yeah, starts to murder his fellow witchers, so they just kill him off. Yeah. Um, if you've played the Wild Hunt, um, Eskel is basically Ciri's bigger brother. He's like gentle. He's kind. Um, he fights the Wild Hunt basically sacrificing himself for Siri. Um, yeah, so just like a complete character flip. Um, he, he, he's Siri's relation to the witchers of like being more human. Like witchers tend to be not human um, and very cold and dry, whereas Eskel was uh, very nice and sweet to Siri. So it was, it was disappointing to see him uh, not his character. Um, Yennefer also is a complete f- flip. Yeah. I don't think I like where they're going with, I don't like where they're going with serious storyline. I don't like where they're going with, um, Yennefer's storyline either. Well, it's just, it's just filler because she loses her magic. Right. From last season at the end of last season. Yep. And the final episode, she gets her magic back. So yeah. no zero character development. But I did, I did like her interactions with the Oscar. And I think him coming back was probably the highlight of the second of, best of character in the series. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, behind girl. Hmm. Um, you really, you like, uh, you like his rendition a lot. Yeah. It's, it's just solid. There's, you don't have to do a lot to be a good girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I did like his character arc that he comes around like, because he, in, in season one, he's so heavily against like fate and like everything. And then by the end, yeah, he's, he's like, he's fully, he's like, this is my family. Like I, like the fate maybe has a, a place to like, he's finding, he definitely found his purpose. Right. Um, but Yennefer losing her magic and nearly, uh, murdering Siri to get it back. Also, none of that exists. That was all written by show writers. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of Yennefer from the books, she's immediately very helpful to Siri. Some may say a mother figure. Mm. Um, so her being so ready to, you know, you have you have one character where it's like it, it she takes care of Siri like her child, and this character she is literally about to sacrifice her for her own personal gain. Interesting. So also a character that's completely flipped. And a very important character at that. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, I'm still going to watch it. I'm seeing, see, see, still see where it goes. Right. Season three, you're still going to be, a, you know, the homeboy. I'll, I'll, I'll support them because they're, they're trying to do something. But there's it, so much lore. What, it's written for you. Mm-hmm. Where did, what's you, the issue? They can't, they can't go their own way. We were just praising the Batman for going his own way instead of like one to one comics. No, no. <laughs> instead of one to one copying the comics. I mean, it it could have it, it is. I mean, you can't tell me the Batman isn't like heavily uh the long Halloween and uh Batman Year One. It yes, but it still goes its own way. It it adapts from it, just like the Witcher an adaptation adapts of from the lore. Yes, okay. The Witcher adapt is an adaptation. It's not an adaptation. 90% of it doesn't exist in the books. 
I'm telling you. What about the video games? It, it, even worse. Because <laughs> the video games is all just side quests until you fucking just talk to Yennefer. All right, I got uh, one meme to show you. Um, it is a, a fake, like, rom-com. <laughs> fake rom-com. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, I would watch that. I would watch that first. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the show we got for you um, guys today. I appreciate y'all listening. Um, that's all the got we show for you. That's all the folks we got today. Um Again, thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to raise on Spotify so we can have a legit rating. Be be on the charts there. Um, I got a wicked meeting of the month coming out later on this this month with uh, music. Feel free to write wicked. an email. Super wicked. Super wicked. Write an email. How to waste your gmail.com. We'll read on there. We'll consume a portion of it at least. We promise. Um, we we love you. Love you. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. Without you, um, we'd be nothing. We'd be zero listeners per episode, and it would just be depressing. Dear, I didn't see the stats, but I do. Um, no, I'm I'm super stoked to have listeners. I love you guys so much. Absolutely. Um, still kind of depressed though. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> what what can you do? Hey, absolutely. Hey, you want to go ride my longboard? Oh, you bring it? Yeah, I brought it. Bro, I'd love to ride your longboard. Stand on it for a second. I'd love to ride your longboard. All right, that's it, folks. Uh, Bye. Check, check, one, two, one, two, three, four. That worked. That worked real good. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought, Audacity. (laughs) Well, good thing we're recording because now we can finally talk to each other. (laughs) You spent three hours in your house, didn't say a word, do you? Yeah. No, it's being recorded. This this is content. I'm going to take some content. Um, What volume are you feeling today? I want to be around here, standing tall, in the foam. Yes, yes. Talking into the foam. Into the foam. That's that's what these uh, lonely twelve pieces of foam are here for. Lonely twelve pieces. All right, you ready, bro? Shreddy, dude. You up? You up? No, I said you up. <laughs> Got him, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. <clears throat> drink of you want to drink your LD? It's all gone. Do you need something to drink? Um, no, I'm okay for now. <laughs> but right, now, what are we going to pause the podcast because you need something to drink? No, I don't, I don't need to pause the podcast. <laughs> so what, I'm just going to have to vamp for ten minutes <laughs> while you're taking a bathroom break. They cut the day there. All right, here we go. No, I'm, I'm fine now. I can't stand you. Three, two. You can't literally are you. breathing in as I'm counting in. <laughs> like I can hear that so loud. All right. There's a gate. Yeah, what? You're saying there's a noise gate? Mm-hmm. Yes, and then when you breathe in, it activates the gate. When it's that close enough. Okay. That wasn't loud enough. Wasn't loud enough breathing, I guess. Or you have to open the gate and then breathe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Close the gate. Here we go. Three, two, one. I won't comment on your voice crack. Thanks, dude. Except you did. So.
I didn't interrupt the podcast. I let you, I let you finish. You you don't want to embarrass me in front of everybody, but you just want to direct it towards <laughs> me myself. That's fair. I just want to let you know that I heard it. <clears throat> it did. Maybe if I had some water. <laughs> Shut the 